0: Welcome to another episode of Playing Catch-Up. I'm Tom Bailey and I'm joined once again by Tom Stevens. Uh, this episode's a bit different in that we'll be concentrating on just one game rather than the usual two, but there's a very good reason for that and we'll we'll get to that a little bit later on. Uh, first of all though, let's, let's talk about the game in question, which is Her Story. Uh, it's a recently released PC and iOS game that uh, I've been looking forward to for a long time and it didn't disappoint at all. Uh, for those listening who haven't played the game, I just want to say a couple of things before we get into it properly. Firstly, um, simply the game is excellent, uh, relatively quick to play through, and very cheap to buy. You don't need to know a great deal more than that, to, to be completely honest. And secondly, the reason I mention that is because this is a game that I would advise most people to go into knowing as little as possible. So if my first point was enough to convince you, as as stupid as this might be, I'd advise to potentially even turn this off until you've had a chance to play it. <laughs> However, we will try and avoid kind of major spoilers for anyone who's still on the fence and, and wants to, to get a better view of, of what the game is. With that in mind I'll just give a a brief overview, so in this game uh, you're accessing archive clips from seven different police interview sessions um, with a woman whose husband is missing. Uh, You're not the detective asking the questions, you're simply accessing a database database of short clips uh, which you uncover by completing keyword searches uh, in in a rudimentary database, Um, so for instance if you type in missing for instance and hit search, uh, you'll return all the clips in which she says the word missing, um, although you'll only have access to the first five chronologically if there are more than that uh, in the database. And from there, you uncover new avenues to pursue, and, uh, and the story unravels from there in its own unique way. So, Tom, that's enough of me kind of rabbiting on. How did you get on with the game?
1: Um, well, I, was, I don't think I mentioned it when we talked about it on the last podcast but um, i actually played through it not my own but i played through it with my wife and we popped it all up on youtube and um, which we'll mention later on yeah. um and we did it in about two and a half hours just every two and a half hours and it we found it really really interesting because we've played similar games before when you've got to kind of think of things and and work through puzzles and stuff but it threw up lots of different ideas and thoughts and Almost ethical arguments as well, yeah. which is really, really interesting. But we found it brilliant. I mean, as you said in your intro, uh, complete value for money. One of those kind of, uh, in inverted commas, must have games. Um, and, and, you know, right up there in my kind of top 10 um, for life, which is, which oh, is quite, which is, it's, it's just a pleasure to play. And so, you know, we recorded two episodes at a time, normally even an evening, which was sort of about 45 minutes worth of, of, of gameplay. And then sort of the next day I'd be talking about it and stuff and going, well, what about this? And, and what about that? And what, what do you think this might mean? Oh, we need to search for that and stuff. And I've, I think I've actually binned it, but I did have, as I do mention in the videos, a very crammed A4 piece of paper. We kept making notes and notes and notes and notes and notes. Yeah. That, try that. and keep ourselves, um, uh, you know, kind of up to date with it and, it and in sync with it and stuff. And whenever we wanted to... Um, You know, search for something, we'd write it down. But then you'd have some long clips where you'd write down about four different things you wanted to search for. Yeah, but we absolutely loved it; it was fantastic.
0: Yeah, no, that that um sounds very familiar to me from when I was playing through it. (laughs) I just had sides and sides of notes, and like you say. Most most clips are kind of between what five and fifteen, twenty seconds long.
1: Yeah, they're but, quite short.
0: Yeah, but then you get the odd one, as you say, that that are oh, like one, one, two, three minutes long. And just join those, you, like you say, I was just writing down, you know, five or ten key phrases at a time, just, and then just suddenly thinking of tangential phrases compared to that, you know, oh maybe yeah. I could go down this road, and uh, yeah, I love any game like that where I've got to get a notebook out and actually think about it. It's just. Mm
1: instantly! A game that makes me sit up and take notice. I think that's a that's a kind of a lost art with games these days. Something that's so non-linear and so open space. If I compare it very, very loosely to something like Fallout Three, um, and for those who play Fallout Three, which I imagine the majority of the world have done, uh, you know, when you when you get out of the vault and you go and try and find where your father is, you've got a waypoint and you've got you know what the quest is. You know what the waypoint is, and that's it's a complete open world game. But you've got a very defined target of where to go. Mm. With this, you're just given the database on the computer. And I think the first search term is already in, which is I think murder from memory. Yeah. yeah so, so you search true. that, watch through those, and then you just take off from there. And you can go anywhere. And I imagine there are a couple of million different routes you can get to, in inverted commas, the solution. Yeah. Um, which we kind of did in a roundabout way, and as you watch through our videos as well, excuse me, you'll see us get to come to different conclusions and then kind of get rid of those conclusions and go back and forth a lot we yeah. kind of agree on a few things, we disagree on a few things, it's really interesting
0: really Yeah I interesting. mean uh, obviously I, I mentioned at the start we'll try not to get into two specific spoilers but yeah. it's not a huge spoiler to say, obviously I said this is a missing persons case and the, the clips you're watching are of the wife of the missing guy, uh, it quickly becomes apparent the guy has been murdered and essentially what what you're trying to do is, is ascertain look did she have anything to do with it and i think several times i went back and forth back and forth and then there are other issues that crop up um in terms of 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 exactly what's what's going on with her she's certainly an interesting character to say the least very hard
1: not to say exactly what's going on exactly but i I
0: really don't want to like when i was telling you about this game when we were talking about it before i was like Essentially, exactly what I said at the start is: look, look, I, I don't want to. T- this is probably no. a hard sell, but just go and get this game yeah. and play it. And uh, you know, I appreciate you going and taking my taking my word for it because it's. Well, uh... I mean,
1: it's it a couple of people have said it. Oh, you should play it, and you know, for the price and stuff. But just the experience. It's hard not to say anything about it because there's one very key thing that I'd love to discuss in this podcast, but we probably shouldn't because it's kind of the crux of the entire thing. Yeah. Of. There are two very distinct kind of conclusions you could come to on many things, yeah. And um, um, I I imagine I might I'll just tell you afterwards, but I I'm, I imagine you'll get you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But at the same time, um, it was it was very hard. We went back and forth between these two ideas a lot over kind of two or three episodes of our our recordings.
0: I'll tell you what. How about this? How how about we talk generally about the game now? Yeah. Then, <laughs> The uh, little different bit that's coming up is um, Sam Barlow, the guy who made this game, uh, was very kind enough to to talk to me uh, for the podcast, and we've got an interview with him. So maybe we talk about gen- the game generally. We'll run the interview <laughs> with him. Then maybe when we come back, we can talk spoilers. Spoiler so people,
1: edition. Do yeah, it.
0: Yeah. So people have plenty of warning. Uh, how's that sound? Does that that, that sound sounds
1: good. I think there's there's a lot of different ideas about this game, and yeah. and and even uh, you know the end game for it. We were very kind of surprised how abruptly we got to it. We felt there was a lot more deeper to go. And I know know you said you're one of these people who wants to dig and dig and dig and dig and find everything in there. I don't think we found all the clips. We got quite far with the clips. But anyway, yes, that sounds like a great idea.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, because there are, I forget how many, but there's certainly well over 100 clips in there. Maybe even 200? I think
1: about 200. I I could check, but I'm not going to open
0: the game now. No, no. I I think... think...
1: are a fair few there's definitely a fair bit of content
0: i think i was similar to you in that i played a couple of hours two or three hours before getting a prompt that allows you essentially to finish the game in inverted commas although this is Mm. you know really far from a traditional game um but you don't have to you can keep digging as you as you mentioned there and yeah i am one of these people who if there are 100 collectibles in a traditional game level, I will try and go and find all those collectibles, even though I'm not necessarily enjoying myself usually. Just you're, because that's you're,
1: my... you're the guy who finds all the pigeons in GTA, aren't
0: you? And I, see, that's where I draw a line in that particular <laughs> game. But, um, but yeah, is
1: that on gen- an, an animal cruelty grounds, or just general, I <laughs> haven't got the time to do this
0: ground? No, 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 no. It, it, the, uh, the, the difficulty of doing that, and then actually, you know, do I really want to lower myself to having a guide up on one screen <laughs> and literally spending hours going around the city. Although I did do much of the much of the collectibles in, in GTA Five, I think yeah. But anyway, but way besides the point. Yeah. Um uh, I completely forget where I was, where I was going to go see, but yeah, um, yeah. Sorry, two and a half, two and a half, three hours. Um, I got the, the prompt that kind of says, you know, uh, have you made your mind up? Or are you finished? Um, and I, I take it from what you're saying, you you walked away at that point, and you were happy that you well. were kind of.
1: We got that. to that point without trying to spoil it too much, and yeah. we we'd had a good idea, pretty much, of what it, what we thought had happened and what her, um, you know, what her story was. And um, so we well, after we got that prompt, I guess that prompt opens in kind of the, the program of it after you've unlocked x amount of clips, maybe. I, I assume. imagine so.
0: I imagine there are a few key clips where you get a different kind of feedback from the game.
1: Oh, so man. I w- <laughs> oh, you, our episode two, I, I tweeted you very angrily about this, I seem to remember. <laughs> um, I guess we can mention this now. Yeah, if, yeah. It, as, as Tom said, as you when you open a key clip, um, you get kind of the light changes. You kind of see your reflection looking in, or, or a reflection of someone in the computer. Yeah. And I'd look, I'd, when my wife and I were playing this, I'd looked away to, to write something down. And she just went, what was that? What the hell was that? And I was like, what are we on about? There was a face. I was like, what do you mean there's a face? Oh, yeah. There's a face. And I was shut up. <laughs> I was so scared. Yeah. And then I talked to you, and I talked to um, another friend of mine who played it, and he goes, yeah, it just means you've unlocked the key clip. I was yeah. like, really? Is that all it was? <laughs> but there was, a, there was a different type of key clip, and we couldn't work out the difference between them.
0: Oh, yeah, there's one one where you get kind of sirens.
1: Yeah. One where you get nice. the reflection. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. We, we should probably just mention, actually, because I don't think we've said, because um, you're, you're obviously making reference to it there, the interface for this is like a gloriously crappy old uh desktop. So Windows uh, 3.1 is beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Amazing stuff it's so nostalgic and and like satisfying <laughs> to use. It's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, like you can hear the hard drive whirring when you enter the yeah. uh enter the searches and things.
1: No Windows 10 update problems, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, exactly, yeah. Um but yeah, there are so you're you're playing as I say, you're not playing the detective you're not asking the questions, but you are somebody who has an interest in the case who's who's searching these clips. Um, and uh, and as you say, yeah, yeah, every now and again you get this reflection of a face in in this uh, in this kind of monitor interface, and yeah, exactly the same as me. It just just made me jump horribly the first time. Yeah, it's, I hate things like that. Yeah, it's not a horror so, game by any any stretch of no, the imagination, but yeah, that's That was uh, that was unsettling for for a second. Yeah,
1: um, some, something we started to do near to the end was try and work out what the question was that would have been asked. Well, I imagine it's probably one of the key parts of the game. Yeah. Pity it took us that long. We sat there and sort of think, okay, so what's he asked, or what's the interviewer asked to get that kind of reaction from?
0: Yeah, of course, because you, you don't you don't hear those, do you? All, you, all you're hearing are her responses. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't hear the questions at all. As you mentioned, yeah, that's a really important point to make. So yeah, there's even though you're getting answers to some of your questions, like you say, sometimes it's a bit ambiguous as to what exactly she's answering. And yeah, it's a really interesting way of doing it. Um and what I love about the game is just the very nature of it. You know, you're you're typing in these phrases that either crop up in, in a clip you've watched or that come to your head. So my playthrough is gonna be completely different to your playthrough, mm. is gonna be completely different to the next person's playthrough. Yeah. And as you say, you know, there are so many different variations. And there were some kind of clip sequences, which I'll get into when when we talk spoilers after the interview, that just it just seemed, you know, amazing that they fell in this order for me. Um, and just mm. thinking, Oh God, I really hope someone else had this this kind of um this experience because it was there was some real kind of joy, yeah
2: yeah
1: yeah it it was so eye opening and you'd, and we'd sit there and just sort to of that open mouth, I think I might have made some very kind of tongue in cheek comments. When we were going through it and stuff, but you sit there and go,
2: "What?" <laughs> and it was
1: just, it was like well, we we likened it very much to watching cr- something like Criminal Minds or um or like CSI, yeah, because we're into yeah. like, like an American like you know investigative kind of police shows and stuff. And it felt like you were doing that. You were trying to piece together that puzzle and work out who'd gone from where and blah blah blah. And it was it was some of it when it as you said it all sort of fell into place and you know things happened in a specific order. It really did kind of leap out and explode at you it's brilliant
2: yeah
0: yeah absolutely so so yeah as as i was mentioning yeah so i did actually go through and unlock all the clips because i was just kind of i think it's partly that whole collectible thing part of my brain where i just need to try and unlock everything you possibly can in the game unless it's completely arduous um but there genuinely was is there some other small, you know, some potential revelation out there that I could get mm. to that, you know, is going to be rewarded and, you know, there's there's, all the clips are interesting, you know, there's a few one-word answers or, or what have you um,
1: but... There's some very, very interesting ones, which yeah. again we'll talk about in this Yeah, of- oh. yeah
0: absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But yeah, um, let's get to that as soon as possible, actually, because yeah. <laughs> you know, we're restricting ourselves.
1: So... biting tongues. <laughs> yeah, awesome.
0: so... Let's take a quick break. Well, not a quick break. Sam Barlow, the guy who made this game, uh, incredibly talented chap and uh, and incredibly generous with his time as well. He actually kind of gave us an hour, an hour and a half. Um, I haven't edited it yet, so I, I I don't know how long it will end up being, but uh, I don't want to cut too much out because uh, everything he said was interesting and, and uh, um We'll, we'll let's get to it now but uh, frankly if you've downloaded this you, you know you've probably skipped this section anyway because you probably want to get to the good bit um so so let's let's get to that um without further ado and we'll be back uh, after this hey sam how are you i'm good thanks first of all thanks so much for for agreeing to talk to me tonight I, I i appreciate that you know given the reception that that her story's received um so far you must be pretty much inundated with these types of requests so uh, have the last few weeks been surreal to you or are you you managing to take the success in your stride
3: uh it's probably somewhere between the two (laughs) i think it's it's kind of tiring um and it'll be nice when be nice when i can kind of have a break and and enjoy it i was saying something it's it's a bit like kind of hosting a dinner party in that, like you know when it first launched and the reviews were coming in and it was selling very well stuff it was it was kind of like i knew everyone else was having fun and things (laughs) were going well and this was a good a good the house party or whatever um, but I was the one kind of you know cleaning up the spilt drinks, you know tech support requests coming in, and then yeah. you know doorbell rings and someone wants the Steam key, and you know it was. So yeah, it's um, doing 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 everything yourself has its advantages, and when it's just you know when it's just developing the game and thinking about the game, it's quite nice to sit out in the garden and you know don't have to have big meetings and convince people of stuff. Oh, yeah. But then it launches and you're like, oh oh okay, it's selling better. Oh this is good. Yeah. Oh there's a buzz. Oh look, oh Christ, it's on Twitter. It's trending and, and then, you know, and that's really cool. And then, yeah, suddenly you, you realize that if only 1% of PC users still use Vista to game, actually that now becomes a, a large number of people who are emailing you. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, but, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a good problem to have. And uh, like I say, I think I'll, I'll enjoy when, uh, when it, it comes down a little bit, being able to just sort of sit back and go, okay, I think it, everything went to plan. That uh, all kind of worked.
0: To, to get into to the game itself obviously you know at, at heart it's kind of a, a detective game but the, the setup is, is really interesting to me in that you're playing a character that's accessing these old clips after the fact rather than actually being that detective and asking the questions directly as you might expect coming into to a game of this nature what was the the thinking that led to that decision
3: I mean that particular part of it kind of crept up on me so when I, was tr- I was trying to come up with an idea for a game um, knowing that I made the decision I'm going to go indie and um, I've got I come up with an idea for a game that you know is kind of achievable, excites me enough that I kind of feel like at the end of it, there's going to be something there that other people will be interested in, has to kind of stand out and have have something unique about it. And I was thinking about police procedural stuff because it's it's something I've always pitched publishers and talked about a lot. And yeah. you know, it's there's this weird disconnect where you've got every other media in the, in the world. Police stories, detective stories, mystery stories, serial killer shows—whatever you know—it's huge. But in video games, we've kind of struggled to to do anything in that space. And you know, I'd pitch publishers the idea, and they would sort of go, "Yeah, no, I don't really see it." And you'd be like, "Yeah, but look, think of the millions of people that love this stuff," and they, "Yeah." And I think they were always kind of—I guess they were—they realized that perhaps the reason this stuff hasn't worked in video games is because these stories are so character-driven; they're set in the everyday. Mm. and there's lots of kind of, you know, the psychology of, of characters comes into play. There's, there is lots of subtext and stuff. So these are things video games haven't done well. So I was, I was thinking I want to do something like that. Um, you know, thinking if I'm, if I'm going to do something independent, I might as well make something that I wouldn't be able to make if a publisher was funding it. Mm. So let's do all the things that publishers have not let me do um, and, you know, approach it that way. And I I'd probably, I'd, I'd kind of in my head thought, well, If i zoom into the interview room if i kind of focus just on that then i'm being a clever indie because i'm excluding the scope you know it's not about car chases i'm not going to have to have hundreds of locations and, and, and do all this sort of stuff but at the same time i'm zooming in on this thing that's very intimate and interesting and kind of character driven and dialogue driven which is something that most games probably don't zoom in on quite the same way so there's probably something interesting i can do here where I'm kind of making things slightly easier for myself, but at the same time, I'm going to be creating something that will offer something that you can't get if you go and spend 50 quid in GameStop or whatever. So I was trying to think around that, and then one day, the kind of the, the key ideas popped into my head of this idea of combining video with this database thing. Um, and whilst I say it popped into my head, I can kind of then work backwards and figure out what... Things kind of led to that, and you know, gave my subconscious all the, the ideas. I mean, I've always, I've always liked games that do that thing of having a fake computer or something that, and the entire game takes place there. Mm. That's always been kind of interesting to me because it's, it's sort of, I mean, it asks interesting questions about the idea of, of, of who you are as a protagonist, but at the same time, it's, it's like a neat. You kind of get all your game mechanics for free. You know, you almost you can a lot of these games. You can kind of start the game, and you don't need a big tutorial. You're not trying to, you know, if you think of like a, a standard third person action game, you spending a lot of time. Even, you know, now if you go out there and buy Assassin's Creed, you will spend two hours having someone explain to you how to drive a car. Essentially, you know, it's, it's this. This is push this button to run. This is how you steer. This is going to be how you climb up this. Yeah. And so there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff you're having to teach people, whereas these kind of games. You, it's like, hey, you know how to use a computer, bang, there you go. And then it becomes interesting because there's this series of actions and things that we're used to doing, and we're used to doing them for very mundane things. So, you know, in her story, you're essentially Googling all right? right? And, and, and Googling is just this reflex action we all have now. Like even my parents will Google a recipe or, you know, someone new joins your, your office or whatever. You yeah. Google, see who they are and find out about them. And so there's something nice about taking those actions, which we're so used to doing, we don't even think about it, and then hooking them directly into a fictional world. To me, that's kind of without exaggerating, slightly magical. It's mm. it's it's it feels like you're doing the things you normally do, but actually it's it's directly touching this kind of fictional world. So to me, there's a little bit of kind of magic there, versus say playing a say a third-person action game, which is a perfectly valid thing, but you are not you're not interacting with that world in the way that you interact with your normal world. You are, there's this learned set of behaviors and these special control schemes that you're kind of mastering to allow you to do that. So that, that's always been interesting. And you know, when I was a kid, there was a, there was a game called Fourth Protocol, which was on like the 8-bit machines that yeah. was a Frederick Forsyth thing. And you were essentially you were like the head of MI5 or something like that. And you had yeah. your kind of desktop and that was it. And you, know, you received a lot of reports and things like that. And, and then there was a, another game that I never played but would always look at the screenshots in magazines and be fascinated by called, I think it was called like the affair of, of Vera Cruz or something like that. It right. was like a French mystery game and it had two sides to it. One side, it was a crime scene and you looked at this body. It was, just, it was it was a single picture, you know, this. Yeah. and at the time it was exciting because it was like, Oh, it's a crime scene. But it was literally just a single <laughs> bitmap and you could click on it and it would say, Oh yeah, there's a matchbox or whatever. But then the majority of the game, you just had this interface where you were faxing various people in France, to get information and, and you know get files of suspects and mm. all this kind of stuff and and yeah so those those things were definitely imprinted in my brain as being these kind of cool things that i remembered And there was a game in 1986 called portal which I don't, I don't think i played at the time and i played a bit later which was a science fiction story where you you land on earth and there's no one there everyone's gone and you find this old computer terminal and um and it's very cute it says um psionic link broken Um, please look under this desk to find the old-fashioned interface device called a keyboard you know (laughs) that's their excuse for the fact that these super sci-fi computers using keyboards and and that was this game where you kind of interacted with this weird sort of worldwide web slash database thing and retrieve bits and pieces of information that, that slowly filled in this picture so that that kind of thing's always appealed to me and I think that even, even like in um, in the game I made, Silent Hill: Shadow Memories, there was a bit in that where you broke into the school principal's office, and that whole sequence, you you hacked into his computer
2: because
3: mm. um, you were trying to find out information about your daughter. But we kind of had a lot of fun where you had to get through his password. You know, you didn't know his password, so then you had to do the reset my password thing. Yeah. And it would ask you his personal questions, and then you would go around his office trying to figure out the answers. Got you, yeah, but all yeah. these questions kind of were telling you, giving you an insight into how horrible his life was. So obviously he had written them for his own perspective. So it was like, what's the name of my complete waste of space son who I never <laughs> want to speak to again? You know, yeah. what is the name of the, the wife who abandoned me 15 years ago and divorced <laughs> me? And it is just all these kind of, you know, this his petty, horrible life. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that, that is so, you know, it's a thing, I guess I, I keep going back to and even um, actually with the Shattered Memories, the whole game was bookended by being part of a kind of VHS Menu, mm. um, so all those kind of things of using these metaphors of you're just directly interacting with kind of piece of commonplace technology has always definitely appealed to me. So that, that was, you know, was sat in the background and kind of became part of this idea. I think it, it it made sense when it latched onto the video because it was it was a it was this case of well, obviously video as a a type of content for games has had its problems in the past. Mm. And, you know, a lot of those problems have been you can't really do action sequences because, you know, if you're doing an action sequence with video, it tends to become a very simple interaction, you know, Dragon's Lair style stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, any kind of spatial navigation becomes quite limited and quite weak. Um, There's a big flaw of a lot of the classic FMV games of of repetition because these games had life bars and fail conditions because they had to because they were video games. But that then meant you were watching exactly the same thing. Um, play out because of the nature of video. Whereas here, when I threw the database concept in, it was like, this isn't actually your eyes. You know, We're not pretending that you are seeing through someone's eyes and this video is what you're seeing. If we go with this database conceit, then well, we can have this stuff broken up. It doesn't have to flow continuously. Um, the repetition actually becomes interesting because I think that was the key thing for me when the idea first occurred. I was just thinking, you know, that repetition is actually awesome because I've seen detective shows where you have the kind of sequence, the montage of the detective all, spending all night sat in front of this computer in the archive room yeah. just going through records and looking at them again and again until he spots the one little thing that breaks the case, whatever. And it's like, okay, so this these things which are problematic about video, actually in this, in this metaphor of, it is this video database, that that actually some of that stuff becomes kind of a strength that it becomes interesting and it and it fits for me with the idea of detective work. And, you know because there's an amount of kind of grunt work there 's an amount of just trying things out there's an amount of randomly chancing across things which which kind of fits with the idea I have of what detective work is like
0: yeah yeah absolutely i mean I mean you you went into it slightly there but i 'm really interested in in just the logistics of planning the game out and and the task of writing it. It must have been a, a huge undertaking to to split the dialogue across the the different clips in. In a way that kind of ensured that the the drip of information was was slow but not too slow and uh, you know kept at the optimal pace can you can you give a bit of insight as to how you went about approaching that
3: yeah well it it luckily ended up being probably not as complicated as you might think um, because I kind of approached it in a different way so when I started the game, I was very much kind of thinking of it as it is a a mystery you are the detective you're trying to figure it out mm. and I remember I, I bought a load of flowchart software because so I was like, right, I'm going to have this is going to have to be designed with me essentially creating a giant flowchart of words, and you know this is how you'll discover things. This, yeah. you know, this, so these words will act like kind of you know lock and key devices, whatever. Sure. And then, so then I started to just sort of research, and I was reading all the kind of manuals of, of the, the police department manuals for how to proceed with investigations and watching lots of footage of interviews and stuff. And one of the things I did was I got some transcripts from some real cases, and I stuck those essentially into a system like Her Story. Right. So that I could play them, not having written them, you know, play them as a player, essentially. And very quickly I found with those that although they hadn't been structured or designed, just the way this mechanic worked of searching keywords, the idea of not having the detective's Kind of questions in there. It, it, even with that stuff, which was entirely naturalistic, it was an interesting experience. It felt like I was picking up threads, names, places, people, and stuff kind of naturally. And the idea of, of the clips being returned in a chronological order kind of helped just sort of keep things mysterious because, you yeah. know, the, the more mundane stuff was near the front end of the yeah, yeah. And then the most interesting thing for me was. And in this particular case, it was a a kid who murdered his parents um, or, or tried to murder his parents to get at their inherit get the inheritance money. Right. And this kid was was kind of a, a a very good kind of sociopath. He was good at you know he didn't slip up or kind of say anything to the cops that you know completely um, showed him to be the, the guilty party. Yeah. But playing it with the kind of her story mechanic, I found that. I very quickly discovered that there were certain words and he was always talking about money. And so, you know, you're searching for words like money, cash, bank, things like this. And and it just kind of exposed because you got all these different clips that were about completely different things. And whatever the detectives were asking him, and, you know, they were doing the, the kind of traditional detective thing of asking open questions so he would kind of trip up. But yeah. he he was, you know, what do you do on f- weekends with your friends? What's your favorite TV show? What did you do last weekend? Do you got any plans for the summer? Do you have a girlfriend? Whatever they were asking him. It would always come back to money. He'd be like, "Oh, I had to borrow some money off my friends, and then yeah, I was going to do this, but I needed some money." And and every, you know, and it was really awesome because you're just like this, this mechanic of you know, and it's essentially, I, I guess it's it is what if you read the police police manuals, it's it's how they work. You know, it's like listen, it's not what the suspect is saying. You got to listen to the words he's using, even yeah. down to kind of pronouns and tenses and stuff. But it's it is this thing of just over the course of just letting someone sit there and run their mouth off, in this kind of interview setting. They do just portray themselves. And yeah, when I was there and I was getting these sets of clips returns that just had this kind of thematic through line of this money thing across the kind of disparate different things he was talking about, that that felt really exciting to me as a, as a pretend player. Mm. And so I thought, right, I'm going to latch onto that feeling. I'm going to screw it. I'm going to go, you know, there will be no structure or scripting. There's no unlocking of clips or anything. It's like the, the whole thing will be there as in this test I've done. And I know that I've enjoyed this sensation. And if I can replicate that for players, then that's going to be a really cool kind of magical thing. So then, in my mind, I was thinking, well, all I need to do in theory is create this storyline that is very layered and that has enough stuff in it so so that the characters in it, and the woman sat in the chair has enough secrets and enough things that she doesn't want to talk about that that's all going to be embedded in, you know, in what she's saying.
0: Yeah, that's uh, it's, it's really interesting to me what you said about the 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 case you you put in there and, and the kind of that thread throughout of of money. Why do you think that is? Do you think it's the the kind of the unusual situation these people find themselves in that they like you say the open questions and and, and what have you? I I just wonder why that that is kind of human nature maybe to to. To want to talk about it, maybe.
3: Yeah, I mean, you, that's, that's the thing you kind of very quickly learn, is that anyone sat in that situation will want to talk about their stories, yeah. and and everything comes out, and there's a... It's like if you've um, noticed in the, the... There's the stuff in the game where they, they get her to look at these kind of projective tests. Yes. And yep. these pictures. And there's, there's a whole science and methodology to analysing what people say with those, and there's a whole science around asking some particular questions as well. And what, what they find is they'll ask people a kind of general question about a very vague type of crime and they'll, they'll find everyone will be uncomfortable because, you know, whoever you put in that kind of police interview situation is going to be uncomfortable, you know, because they they feel like they're under scrutiny and everyone will be (laughs) trying to kind of talk about stuff in their past. And there's this kind of cool mechanic where, um, so you know, if someone has um, murdered someone, right, or, is, or you think someone has murdered someone or something, then you ask about just um, causing pain to someone in the past, right. and the person who's murdered someone will very quickly happily talk about something in their past where they did hurt someone, because their their brain is definitely trying to avoid the thing they've recently done. Yeah, but then but then everyone else will become quite cagey because. They'll just feel inherent they'll feel naturally guilty about the time they beat up their brother or whatever yeah. and and it's like I say it's it's just very interesting that they they you know everyone in that situation is essentially guilty of something and has some story that they're trying to hide and and so you know, there's there's a lot of false positives and stuff in in people dealing with investigations because everyone is feeling stressed and feeling guilty and trying to hide something It's probably just not. The thing that you know the police might think they're trying to hide, yeah. So
0: it's yeah, it's it's all very interesting stuff. And just to to skip back a little bit to to talk about the the interface itself, just just wanted to ask you about. I mean, it's it's incredibly well realised down to the, kind of the tiniest detail, like the whirring, spinning egg timer when you're waiting for the search results to to come up. How important was it for you to get those details right? Or did you do you think that that could be the difference between people being properly immersed in the game and and potentially not?
3: Um, I mean, that was, that was something that came not late, but reasonably late in that when I first started thinking about the game, I was kind of reacting to a lot of the research I'd seen, which was all kind of um, YouTube stuff. It was all modern stuff. So a lot of the crimes I was looking at were, you know, in the last few years or whatever. Um, and obviously the the camera technology in police interview rooms um, is still kind of crappy now. So mm-hmm. it was, you know, it was still kind of video-y stuff, but it was... More, more modern, so I think when I was doing it now I was, it wasn't, when I first started, it wasn't necessarily this really kind of retro computer thing. And then as I was developing the story, there were certain elements I was pulling into it and, and certain things that I was finding coming up in it that I was kind of pulling from stories I'd heard in my family and, and, and kind of some other example cases. And it felt it felt like it was too historical. It was. It didn't feel like it fitted. If I was to say this is actually happening in twenty ten, twenty fifteen, it felt like it wouldn't quite feel right. So pushing it back into the last century kind of felt that fitted slightly better. Sure. And once I'd done that, then then that whole aesthetic became the thing, and it was. And then it was very appealing to me to kind of make sure that was very authentic. Mm. I think the. Um, there was a step where um, there was a point where I'd, I'd showed the alpha build to the indie fund and then they came in and gave some funding, which gave me a bit of of kind of wiggle room so then i I did kind of put a bit more effort in and put a few extra features and stuff on that interface yeah but i think there's i think that that side of it in terms of evoking. The atmosphere was quite important to me, and the, just you know the shininess of a kind of old CRT monitor, and like you say the the kind of clicks and whirs that the hard drive makes, and things like that. Yeah. Just trying to evoke that felt like, and it was, it's kind of it's, it's you're saying it's is it about being immersed, and it's kind of, kind of isn't it isn't it? it's almost I've always been fascinated by techniques that on one hand are about massively pushing this immersion, and on the other hand. Sometimes you kind of throw in something which which kind of distances the audience and kicks them out a little bit, and, yep. it, and for me the effect tends to overall actually solidify that that kind of involvement. And I think it's it's almost like if the if the the film or the game or whatever gives you a little bit of something that reminds you that this isn't real. Yeah. It's it's almost like at that point your brain's like, no, no, I'm gonna work doubly hard because I'm kind of involved in this and and I'm pretending this is real so I'm going to work doubly hard. If you didn't have that little nod, I think your brain itself would be looking for the flaws and it would be looking for the kind of this isn't real thing and then it would actually be your brain itself that would be finding the problems. So I think there's this kind of interesting thing where if you try too hard to make something utterly immersive and realistic then then that can create problems. And I think things like that—that that whole kind of effect of just reminding you that although this is your computer screen or your iPad or whatever, it's actually also this kind of pretend computer somewhere else, yeah. uh, police basement somewhere, and, and trying to play with that. Uh,
0: the, the the nature of the the game means that you know everyone who plays it is is going to experience it in a different way, gaining certain insights at, at different times, and obviously coming to their own conclusions as well at different times. Was that always a big factor in what you wanted um, the game to offer?
3: Um I guess that the the thing of people having different conclusions, um, I guess probably inevitable yeah. and and it's maybe a side effect. Although you you kind of still get that even in something that's entirely, you know, static. You know, you can have people read a short story and have very different conclusions, whatever. Yeah. but I mean the important thing for me was I think this is like a actually quite a big deal that I think is problematic in a lot of games is the the kind of ideal for the modern game of you know, everything is on screen, so the the kind of traditional 3D video game now yeah. will have continuous time and continuous space. And you know, you don't want to show cutscenes when it has to happen in Engine and mm. and you know, if you know GTA if you want to get from here to there you actually get in a taxi and you drive there right so ev- everything is on screen and it's this continuous thing and, and everything you, you don't have to imagine anything it's there you know for you to see Yeah. and I think that that for me is almost the antithesis of every other example I can think of of storytelling so if you take you know as an example movies you know you have a medium there where the point of the medium is that they're taking pictures of stuff and showing you visuals. You know, it's it's you know, in the old days they would just take a camera to something cool, film it, then go and show that to the audience. Wow, now they've seen this cool thing. Yeah. But actually the way that art form has evolved, the craft of movie making is what you don't show. It's editing, it's montage, it's you know, you see a character's eyes, you're not seeing what they're looking at, and your brain's filling in that picture. You know, that so you've got this, you know, the medium that is about looking at stuff and actually the art there is in not showing things. And I think a real problem with, with storytelling in video games is you are excluding the imagination if you don't have those gaps, if you don't have those things that are not actually present. Yeah. And so for me, with her story, this was kind of me just going in a very extreme direction to explore this, of, of creating tons of gaps, creating tons of places for your imagination to do all the work. And not just in, you know, imagining stuff that's never actually explained, but also in, you know, looking, trying to infer the context of the clips, trying to infer what was the question being asked here, trying to infer what's the actual agenda, what is this woman thinking, why is she saying this, what's the truth, you know, and then why is she saying this, this thing, whether it's true or not. So, for me, that, that was, you know, the idea with her story is let's create something that very heavily involves your imagination. but is also interactive. And I think that's the really exciting thing about games and why it's a shame that that we do limit the use of the imagination because I think when you you take something that is kind of a, a way of interacting, which is to use your imagination to build the story in your head, and then when you throw in the fact that in a video game, you can actually have this feedback loop, so it almost feels like a kind of dialogue, this back and forth between you, the game, and your kind of imagination sits somewhere in between. You know, I think that can be quite a powerful thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, just uh, from from my experience of playing through the game, I saw the two clips where the same fairly lengthy dialogue is is kind of repeated almost verbatim across across two different interview sessions, mm-hmm. uh, and I saw those within two or three clips of each other, and it was yeah. a real kind of holy shit moment for me. It was the, kind of that first moment where I'm like, "This definitely isn't what it seems," you know, the, you know, the story definitely yeah. isn't what it seems, and the fact that that was kind of, it's not going to be unique to me, to my playthrough, because I'm sure other people have had similar experiences, but the next person I'm speaking to who's played the game might have seen those clips, 50 clips apart, you know. Uh, It was really interesting to me, because that really, you know, those kind of moments really made the game for me. Um, But the fact that those moments can be different for everybody is incredible, really.
3: Yeah, no, it's cool. It's um, it's a bit like, I remember hearing... um, a, a screenwriting guy talking, and he was, he, he was basically trying to encourage people to remove as much fluff from their stories as possible. And and his example was, and, and this probably doesn't work anymore because we all stream everything now. But he was like, you know, if you turn on the TV and you're halfway through a show, yeah. he's like, how many times have you done that? Um, and it, and you always pick up the story. He's yes. like, you know, think, you know, just bear that in mind. You know, you can turn in halfway through Inspector Morse or. You know, home in away or whatever. I don't know, those are two very random examples. <laughs> Both very highbrow, um, to yeah. <laughs> And uh, you know and and you pick up the story and and you know so his, you know he was giving an example to encourage people to just basically just <laughs> cut all the crap. But as well I think it's we have now like everyone who's who's kind of sat playing video games probably has a supercharged kind of storytelling intelligence because you know, we are exposed to so much information, so much storytelling, whether it's actual fictional stuff or just embedded in, in other bits and pieces, um, and, you know, so many layers and, and so many different kind of perspectives on things that, you know, our brains are, and, and, you know, brains are already just out of the womb, these super, you know, storytelling computers that are there just, you know, predicting stuff and reading people's emotions and everything. Yeah. And so there's, there's just so much that the brain can do when you give it things that, you um, that i think it's it is really interesting when you you do give people stuff and that's what i was saying about the when i came to write it and and decided not to kind of overtly plan or script it it was just the kind of confidence that if i could create enough layers to the story so the characters had enough things going on in their head when they're talking um that this would just inherently be interesting cuz even if you saw them talking about thing a the chances are they wouldn't over explain that. And yeah. you're then going to, you might not even realize they're talking about that until you then bounce that off of this other clip where they're talking about a thing B and then, Oh yeah. So it's, you know, this, this, as you said, this, this wonderful experience of it kind of allowing people to generate their own kind of wow moments where they go, Oh, huh. and, and, you know, and again, that's kind of trusting in people's ability to join these dots and kind of be thinking one step ahead all the time anyway, which is kind of, you know how how people's brains work.
0: Yeah, and and, and going back and another thing I I found uh, was superb about it being able to go back and view clips I'd seen early on in the context of what I'd found out since as well. You know, and, and seeing things in a different light. Um, yeah, I've just obviously not played anything like it before. It's it's brilliant. In terms of uh, the way the story is told, uh, players can obviously kind of legitimately walk away from from the pc or, or their their tablet by by a certain point and feel that they've got kind of closure on events um that that kind of idea against the normal kind of feedback that video games tend to give in terms of you know you've completed sixty nine percent of the game um and what have you there's this this there's hundreds of videos there people don't need to see all the videos to have have got uh some sense of closure to the story um and that kind of goes against how some people play video games you know they want to see everything a game has to offer i'm i'm definitely uh, really guilty of that you know um i'm one of the, the terrible people who if i'm playing an rpg i'll mop up all the side quests before i you know carry on carry on yeah. with the main thread or you know, I, I won't grumble that much at an Ubisoft. Collect them up. You know, it's um, I, I'm afflicted in that way. But obviously, with this game, you, you're giving people that option to to kind of get up and walk away when they're when they feel they've they've kind of reached their end, if you like.
3: Yeah, well, I think that that was. I mean, early on, I wasn't even sure if we would have that. Um, and I'd made I made a game ages and ages ago, like um, a text game called Isle. Um, yeah. And that was that was a game that had a similar kind of freedom to it in that the, the premise was you you start and it tells you that you're in a supermarket aisle and you see some pasta and it reminds you, I think it tells you it reminds you of a holiday in Rome or something like that. And then you then can type anything. Um, and once you type something, the character does it and it, it kind of takes that to the end of a story and then it says game over. Yeah. yeah. And then you can play it again. So the idea is you, you play this thing hundreds of times and... You can genuinely type most things you can think of, and the game will pick them up, and it'll give you different stories, and, and and some of those stories kind of fit together in a set. Others feel like they're almost from kind of completely alternate universes, whatever. And people really liked um, what I'm going to call the icebergness of that, in that they w- they didn't know how many different stories there are out there, how many different things you could type, yeah, um, and. When they sat down to play, they'd maybe find you know five or six, seven, and then they they might run out of ideas for things to type. But they've kind of enjoyed seeing the the range of things they've seen. They go away, but then they could come back again, or they'd be in the shower and they'd think, oh, why don't I, you know, throw the past away? Why don't I scream and take my clothes off? That might do something interesting. And then they'd rush back to the future and do it. And and people really liked with that game, the sense that it was always. The, the the iceberg was lurking below the water. There was always stuff that was they could imagine was still there, waiting for them to find. And it kind of felt nice. It was they liked that kind of sense of it. And so I wasn't sure if this was going to be like that. But I think I think it's a bit different because there's because there is the kind of the mystery wrapper. There's this kind of you know the question of what happened is more important here. And I think because as well because there's a there's a, a, a thing people haven't, so I, early on I had when I had the game up and running, kind of took it and showed it to some people and I was asking them about this. Do you need an ending? Mm. Do you need closure? And I think very strongly people came back with actually, we don't necessarily need the closure, not in the sense of we don't need Poirot to come in and wrap it up and confirm this is exactly what happened and yeah. you know, tie everything in a bow and we're done. But we do need, we do, and and I think it ends up expressing it as, we need permission to walk away. It's like, you know, I'm sat here feeling satisfied. I know I've seen 80% of the the clips or whatever, and, and, you know, I don't want to necessarily have to kind of, you know, scrape to get the, the, the remaining 20%. I feel satisfied. I feel like I've understood the story. I've enjoyed the experience. Um, you know, I've had my wow moments. I've, I've, I feel like I've, you know, had my kind of emotional reward. I've, I've understood the story and the themes. I'm kind of done. Yeah. But there's the nagging thing of, am I really done? Maybe I missed something else, whatever. So yeah. they are like, just I just want something that says you're okay to kind of walk away now. Here's your permission. You've done a good enough job. But you know, if you want to stay, if you want to hang around, and if you want to do it, well, you can. That's completely fine. But you know, here is your permission to go away. So that was kind of how that ending came about. You know, it was, um, yeah, I think with this particular game, it felt people needed that kind of reassurance that they, you know, yes, you, you kind of in the right ballpark, you can kind of walk away now. The thing that surprised me was, um, when, when we did the final round of testing, we only had one person who tried to see every clip. Um, And so I thought it was going to be quite a—it was going to be the kind of hardcore minority that would try and see every single clip. But actually, I think like last time I looked at the stats, it's like sixty percent of people who bought the game have actually seen the credits, which is pretty pretty high for a game. Yeah, 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 absolutely, which is cool. But then actually, twenty-five percent of people have seen all the clips, which (laughs) which seemed like quite a high proportion to me. But I think. As well, because I, I put the thing. There's a there's a grid in there that shows you which clips you've seen yes. and which you haven't. Yeah. I think things like that, people, that is like a kind of red rag to a bull. You know, that's definitely look at all the things. You know, look at what you could have <laughs> won. It's oh, okay, I can see there's a few things, and, uh, and I think that probably helps. Um, and yeah, I think and, and talking to people, they were like, well, I just wanted to be sure that there wasn't one more. <laughs> one more kind of reversal or something in there it's like you know if that one clip i hadn't seen was the one where actually it reveals the butler did it then (laughs) you know or or just gives me you know just gives me some other little insight because i think that that was the thing that i became interested in was actually as i was developing the story it stopped being about who done the crime how did they do it you know it stopped being cluedo Mm. and it became much more interesting to me of, of just learning more about the characters and getting different perspectives and so you know those the there could always be a clip in there that's actually you know it's not necessarily related to proving or disproving anything you've got in your head it's just oh here's an interesting new yeah. nugget yeah. of information and in in this this story that i'm interested in so so yeah i think people just yeah got you know we're, we're more inclined to do that than i perhaps expected
0: yeah i mean uh, as i said i think it's it's in my nature to to do that kind of thing, but it was definitely both from from my experience there there definitely was that need to know is there a clip in there there's gonna be a little revelation that i that I might miss and but then there definitely i think there was a tiny part of me that's that compulsion as you say to 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 get everything you know gotta catch them all type type thing i mean was there what you're talking about there is did that kind of feed into the hiding of that database underneath the underneath the window so some people might not find that actually even if they they don't move the window around
3: i guess yeah that's i mean i yeah i suppose that is in a way saying the people that don't care uh, you know won't even know that that functionality is there yeah um i I think putting a few things around the the desktop was definitely the traditional game designer in me that was like (laughs) it can't all be you know uh avant-garde and different you know so let's let's put a few little things in here that the player has to do something and find some secrets and stuff yeah um and i I think a lot of the a lot of this the slightly more hidden stuff tends to not be as rewarding as it traditionally would see you know there's a few there's like a few codes in there and there's there's a chunk of the clips that's the hardest chunk to find and i think all those things in a traditional video game would be like the core puzzle of like, you've got to you know figure out the code or you've got to get to this, this thing here and that would be important. But actually I think most of those things tend to, to not necessarily reward you with some hugely useful thing. They're just the, but they kind of just add a little something But it's.
0: Yeah. On that, I mean, I presume this happens to a fair few people, but there, there are, uh, as you say, there's a section of clips there that, are particularly hard to find compared to the rest of them and yeah. you know i got to that point where you realize what's happening during that point of the interview you know yeah. you know where those clips are coming from and it's how on earth how on earth do i get those now so and and as you say you get to them and and as as you kind of almost know before you see them what you're rewarded with <laughs> is is not a huge amount compared to what you've had earlier on i, I found that quite amusing really
3: yeah yeah, no, that stuff, yeah, yeah, that, into spoilery, that was, you yeah. know, I, when I, like I say, when I wrote the the kind of dialogue, I, I wasn't writing it to kind of work within the game. I was pretty much just writing yeah, from within the characters and, and going through the scenarios. And, and I had like a really, like kind of rough, high-level plan of, well, on interview day three, this is what the police have just found. This yeah. is what they're going into the interviews to find out. And then the woman is sat there thinking, Oh, last time I said this. This is what they're going to be asking me about, and, and you know, and then I just was able to kind of sit down and let them talk to each other and, and have everything play out.
2: Yeah.
3: Um. So yeah, that that stuff was in there because it was like, well, this is going to happen, and this this is what this is what would be said during that sequence, and then then I looked at it. It was like, well, there's no, <laughs> there's no way people will ever be able to find this stuff, and so I had to find a way to make that more accessible um, or remove it. And it was like, you know, I could quite easily just remove it. And no one would be any the wiser, but I, I felt like I had to be true to the true to what I'd written. It was like I'm not just going to take stuff out because it doesn't fit.
0: No, I, yeah, it's, I think it's it's one of those moments for me that it was kind of, um, you know, I I was pleased to have get them in the end, but it was also, you know, why why have you spent an extra hour to, to, to try and get, you know, a series of, of one or two word answers? It's uh, I just it struck me as as uh, as funny as I say. Um, so in one in one of the well in a couple of the clips, in fact, um, I, I don't know how keen you will be to answer this because it, it might veer too far into the territory of of giving away, uh, not what what your idea of of the yeah. definitive story is, but uh, the the tap code. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Just wondering wh where that the the idea to implement that came from. I found that really interesting.
3: Yeah, I mean that that came from, I think it was from a few things. It was, um, it was probably from, there's, there's a series of, and one of the cases that really kind of stuck with me when I was doing my research was, um, and this was actually before it was probably it was recently been resolved, but this, this case hadn't been fully resolved at the time, was the case of Jodie Arias in um, America who murdered her sometime lover, and um, and then kind of tried to deny it. Um, mm. It was kind of a, it, was a, it was a nasty case because um, you know it felt like it was, this, it, was a, it was this kind of tragedy. You know, they, were, they were both they both had their problems, and, and this this kind of outcome of um, one of them being murdered and the other then spending the rest of their lives in, in jail didn't seem like that. It was a particularly nice outcome, but hers was one of these cases where they released all the interview footage and it's on youtube and you know you can watch like i don't know it's like 30 hours it's, it's hours and hours of the stuff and so you have the kind of youtube audience sat there eating popcorn you know and cracking gags and, and just saying horrible things about her and making all these judgments mm. and one of the things that was a particular focus of voice attention was that um the, quite frequently, the the cops would leave the room and they'd leave Jodie in there on her own, and she didn't know, or apparently didn't know, that there were cameras in there. Um, and I think the, the the police were allowed to lie about whether there's cameras there, or they 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 don't necessarily lie, but they'll say something that dodges the question or something. You know, they don't have to declare that it hasn't film filmed. Anyway. And and so she was doing all this weird stuff. Um, when the police were out of the room, so at some point she pickpocketed some paper. She did a handstand.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, she starts singing weird songs and, um, and you know, the, the YouTubers are like, Oh my God, she's, this shows that she has no remorse because she's, she's clearly not actually sad. Cause she's doing a handstand or, yeah, you know, I'll Oh look, you. she's crazy, whatever. And, and, you know, as, and then you sit back and you go, well, look, she's a human being under probably the, you know, she's done the most horrendous thing she's ever done in her life. Um, and and that is a result of years and years of all this other stuff in her life building up to that point. And now she's under even more stress and, you know, her survival instincts kicking in and, and you know, who knows what you would do in that situation. You know, her doing a handstand is her way of not just collapsing and exploding whatever, you know, it's, yeah. you know. And it was the same thing as well with... Um, there's a similar kind of scrutiny with Amanda Knox when she was yes. first arrested and people were saying, well, she's she's laughing. Someone told her a joke in the police station and she's laughing or whatever. Yeah. Why is How she laughing? She, she should yeah. be crying, you yeah. know, at the, and all this kind of stuff. So I think it was it was this idea of, of, like, them doing stuff in the interview room when the police weren't there and that being interesting. And then there was a particular – this is where I'll get vague – there was a particular case that um, – I was very interested in. um, uh, This is going to get very Uh, (laughs) big, and 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 some of these things, like the 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 particular code you're talking about, were kind of patterns of behaviour in that, and it was yeah, and that just that was. It was also interesting to me as a way of. There's a really interesting concept that I came across when I was looking into the the idea of police interviews and stuff, which is called the um, oh, what do they call it? It's it's like the th- the third participant or something they call it. And right. so, um, I mean, most police interviews have multiple cops in there, but if you imagine that essentially you've got the suspect and you've got the cop, and it's a dialogue between them. Yeah. Um, but everyone in the room knows that at some point this will be used in a court maybe, or it's going to be reviewed, or people are going to look over it. Mm. And so there's a thing that happens, which they call the third participant, where in this dialogue between two people, they will almost address the third person in the room, who is the future observer almost. So there's a a kind of a pattern of speech where um, a detective will ask a question, and then the person being asked the question will essentially repeat the question back at them before they answer, almost as a way of acknowledging that they're being asked this formal question and kind of calling that out, or almost for the benefit of the person that you know listening. Mm. It's almost kind of calling calling this out, um, and so that some of the, the the things you're talking about there were an interesting way for actually rather than it being part of that formal process it was it was the the character communicating with um with someone else yeah. and or just kind of falling back on that particular kind of behavior when they're under stress and stuff but yeah i'm this is going to sound like a lot of vagueness.
0: no
2: no
0: <laughs> <laughs> i mean i love love the fact anyway that the the game uh had me grabbing a pen and paper from the start to, to scribble notes down but that in particular you know once I worked out what it was and and realizing I could actually transcribe this um this sounds almost rude, rude to ask but I, when I transcribed it and I went over it a few times it seemed like there was an error in there was that deliberate
3: oh that'd be telling one <laughs> okay
0: because this is my my thinking, everything seems so meticulous with this game that I was thinking that, you know, this is the reason I went back and checked it. But yeah, if you don't want to talk any more about it, I will, I will skip over.
3: Yeah, I think there's a good mix now. There's there's things that I did do deliberately, and then there's a couple of things that people have picked up on and oh really lost about, and I've gone oh okay, that's <laughs> interesting. I thought I'd double check that. But yeah. Not sure. <laughs> yeah. And there was, there was there was there was one thing, and I, someone asked me this, and I had to go back and check, and it was, I think someone had cross-referenced the timestamp dates yeah. with an actual calendar, and they said, well, it looks like what's being referred to as a Saturday wasn't a Saturday, and, and they had a whole theory as to why oh, it's um, And I was trying to remember why I'd done this, and I looked back and it was kind of very early on when I was developing it, and I guess at that point I didn't know... I knew it was going to like, you know, be this kind of authentic-looking footage and stuff. And it was like, you know, there's maybe even a a marketing spin where I kind of do it a bit Blair Witchy and almost yes, kind of yeah. pretend it's a real thing, right, or whatever. Yeah. And I was a little bit nervous because it was about the police um, <laughs> that, that I didn't want anyone to get upset or, or tell me off yeah. or, like, you know, people like Apple get worried about anything like that. And, and so at that point... I think I deliberately made it so the dates didn't match reality I'm with you. as a way of kind of going, look, this is, this is fake. And I deliberately made it fake. And I, yeah. I think and it's a bit looking back, it's kind of slightly silly logic on my part, but I wasn't expecting that level of scrutiny. So I feel, sure. yeah. So you know when people have been timing out clips and, and looking at the timestamps and everything, I was like, yeah, Oh yeah. God. Yeah. Okay.
0: That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, I, I touching on that. Um, how how kind of pleasing is it to you at, the, at this point to see so many people kind of online debating w- what they feel the the real story behind behind the game is and and you know putting putting their theories forward however kind of outlandish they might be
3: it's kind of cool it's um it's interesting i mean i some of it i didn't expect at all and didn't predict in terms of some of the the lines of thinking people have had and, and things that was kind of that, that's been interesting to me it's and I think some, some people said oh did you deliberately set up these things and to deliberately did you design it to be ambiguous in this way to, to, to fuel this kind of online discussion and you know create that kind of water cooler social stuff and I didn't I, and I really didn't I think I was somewhat naively I was completely designing it for the benefit of the single person who was sat playing it and so all of the all of the ambiguity was was just like I say, it was kind of a knock-on effect of trying to create this structure whereby you would build the story up in your head and you'd put it to, you know together in your head, and it it would be a lot of inferring and you know putting the emphasis on your own imagination, and and so yeah, the 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 sense of actually people kind of coming together and discussing it and and debating things and there was a, there was a brilliant one where a guy who had a Twitch channel and had lots and lots of people watching his Twitch channel and he had been playing this game. And they created a collaborative Google Doc where they all had jobs. So like, you know, someone was transcribing things, someone was writing the timestamps down, someone else, you know, and everyone else was like writing suggested keywords to search for here and then there was another tab for theories and everything. Super. And that that was kind of very interesting and, and strange to me. And then you know, and, and it almost gets like some of the comments and some of the more heated debates or or even just some of the kind of offensive throwaway comments that um People who might not even have played the game of thrown it on YouTube and stuff.
0: Mm, surely not
3: to some extent. Reminds me of the the real life stuff of people looking at these, inter, you know, the real interview footages, or just like the discussion around something like serial, you know, yes. and, and the kind of the debates around that. And so it's kind of weird that that was my starting point, and um, and I wasn't really I wasn't really trying to make like a, an overt point about that stuff. I think I was very interested in those ideas and, and kind of questions around that stuff. And, the, but very quickly, I, even if I have that kind of agenda going into something, I usually kind of forget it and get quite stuck into the characters and that kind of becomes my thing. Um, but it was interesting. Yeah. That was kind of the starting point And then kind of as now the game's out, it's kind of created its own kind of version of that, which, which is quite interesting to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, is there anything i d I'm just wondering how much of a, a perfectionist you are and how, how much you look back now that now that it's out there. Is is there anything about the game that you're not hundred percent happy with or you wish you'd tweaked slightly differently, or or you you uh you know, you're pretty happy
3: with, with what's happened? Yeah, I guess I'd say I'm pretty happy. I mean I hate I usually like most people hate my stuff. Yeah. <laughs> when I've done it and, you know, can't stand to watch it and um and it's a weird thing like with my, the way I used to make games when you were Making traditional boxed console games,
2: mm.
3: it was kind of a weird process because you would, like, I'd finish a game, and actually then I'd move on to another game. Like as the as the kind of lead designer or whatever, you'd move on to another game whilst your other game hadn't shipped yet, yeah. because it would just be down to the final bug fixing and there'd be a couple of coders on it. And I, you know, I would then be off getting a new project or starting on a new project or something. And then when the game would launch, which could be months after that because of the, kind of the time scales of these things then there'd be like the kind of press junket. And so then you'd have to sit in a room and watch your game and watch people play your game and talk about your game again. And it was always a bit weird because you'd almost at that point kind of moved on and you could kind of see it with fresh eyes. And and it was strange. But, um, you know, with something like her story, there was no point where I disconnected because, you know, I was doing it all myself and, you know, so I was – fixing all the bugs and finishing it off myself to the point where it got submitted. But then the turnaround from kind of submission to release is, you know, tiny when you're mm. talking about um, Apple and Steam and stuff. Um, and so I haven't really disconnected from the game at all yet. So I haven't, haven't quite got that distance from it. And I haven't I, I haven't completely got to the point where I hate looking at it. <laughs> Because it's because I haven't I haven't had that kind of thing where I've had to step back or anything from it. So, yes, it's, yeah.
2: makes
3: so it's been interesting. But I mean, you know, the the scale of the response has has kind of blown me away, and and I think the the uniformity of some of the praise has has yeah. been quite scary as well. Like I, I completely expected it to be a marmite game, and, it, and it, maybe it is a marmite game. But I guess amongst critics and journalists and stuff, I was expecting it to be a marmite game there, but. This, you know generally everyone's been so positive yeah that you know which that clearly feels good that's that's kind of cool I guess it's very much a vindication for me of me saying right I'm going to go and do all these things that publishers wouldn't necessarily want to do and I'm going to push it in an extreme direction and, and do this interesting stuff and i I guess it's a vindication of people saying yes doing interesting stuff is cool we appreciate this um and I guess it's you know it's a short game, it's a cheap game, so I think you know, exploring this cool stuff in a you know in in, in an easily digestible form is um, you know is is kind of bound to please people.
0: Yeah, you you mentioned it there. I was going to ask you about the the kind of pricing of it as well. Did you always? was that a deliberate kind of thing from from early on to 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 go low with the price and try and and try and get as many people seeing it as possible. I mean, I mean, it sounds a stu- like a stupid question, but obviously. <laughs> You know, you, you hear hear about a game like, like this um, on the grapevine and you go and see it's between three and five pounds, then you're going to take a punt on it, you know? Yeah,
3: I mean, I the a lot, a lot of people gave me the advice that I should charge more money for it because um, they were saying, you know, there's there's an audience for interesting indie things and, you know, the trick to Steam is charge them the premium price. Yeah. Get as much money as you can from them because they're going to buy it anyway. And then once that's done, then you can move into discounting to try and bring other people in. but. Yeah. I think for me, well, I mean, I feel kind of uncomfortable asking for money anyway. Is, <laughs> it's kind of a weird thing. Um, yeah. But as well, I, I just felt like for what it is, I was asking people to take a punt on something that sounds quite interesting, you know, quite different. And and I knew it wasn't going to be the biggest, longest experience in the world. And I knew it would might not be to some people's taste. So it was... It kind of felt like I... Sh- you know, that kind of price, that impulse price would be good. And I knew as well, just purely thinking of my own behavior, that I would look at something that was a few quid and go, okay, maybe I'll try that out. Yeah. Um, and I think as well, I, I knew I wanted to be on um, the iPad and the iPhone, and I wanted to be on the PC. Yeah. And so there's only so much you can charge an iPad. And I sure. didn't want to have the PC version just arbitrarily cost twice as much or three times mm. as much. Um, but I think I think now it's it's out. I think it worked really well because there was a couple of things that kind of came together so there was there was a buzz around it you know there were people talking about it on twitter there were good reviews coming in and as well this idea of the kind of discussion around it and oh no spoilers (laughs) etc etc kind of people like oh I will buy it now there's this buzz around it what is this game that sounds interesting oh I better buy it now because then I can talk to people about it and you know I don't want it to be spoiled for me or whatever so there was there was kind of, you know, a, a momentum behind that, and then you had the, you'd look at the price and go, well, yeah, it's fine, you know, because I think if it was twenty pounds, say, mm. that's a huge price for it, but you know, that, you know there are games that have launched twenty pounds that are just as short, that you sure, know, yeah. just as interesting. I think a lot of people would have put it on their wish list, you know, they'd have gone, oh, okay, they might have given it five stars in the Guardian, but you know, I've got a lot of games to play, and this, as interesting yeah. as it sounds, I'll wait till it's half price. I'll wait till it's in the Steam sale. Web. So I think it's it's definitely worked for me. Um, and, you know, you look at the the weekend before I launched, I think, was when Tale of Tales came out with, yes. with their story, and, which was quite scary for me. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, again, I think their game was quite highly priced, um, which, and it's so hard to put a price on things now because, you know, you're thinking, well, this is how much we spent on the game and so we need to get paid. And But it's, you know, it's just weird. I mean, you literally, you know, unless you're Square Enix, you cannot charge lots of money on the <laughs> App Store. Yeah. So, you know, it's yeah. not really about pricing it at what you think it's worth. It's kind of what what is the best price to just get. It's almost like a sales tool, the price. You know, what's the price that's going to get me th- through the door? Mm-hmm. And I think when you look at something like Sunset, which is really interesting, um, and, you know, I was getting decent reviews. I think that instinct when you see, uh, you know, a high price tag is, yeah, to put it on your wish list, it'll always, it'll always be, you know, that, that whole method. That mindset on Steam yeah. and things like that of waiting for sale is there. So, yeah, for me, it was. And as well, I think there's a. I mean, I've got like, it's not, I think it's like 90 something percent positive reviews on Steam. Mm. So, there was a big, I say big, there was a vocal minority of people that saw some of the early reviews come out. And they were all quite high, you know, they're 90 or five out of five, whatever. Yeah. And there's this vocal minority going, oh, look at these reviews. This is, you know, the typical. Um, liberal journalists, whatever, yeah, giving yeah. these great scores to something that's clearly a bit silly. Yeah, um, yeah. But then you then go and see that the people who've actually bought it on Steam, you know, the vast majority of them are, are positive about it. And I think, again, I think a lot of that comes down to the price because I think, you know, people having gone in and, and paid that much money for it, if they didn't necessarily like it, they're not going to be angry. They're not going to be kind yeah, of complaining. Yeah, absolutely. They're not going to be asking for their money back. You know, at the moment, the refund rate is very, very low. Yeah. You know, whereas um, I've, even, I've even had people that struggle, like, they you know, had problems with their PC and tried to help them get it working, but it just wasn't going to happen. And I've said, well, you know, feel free to go and get a refund. i yeah. um, sorry. And yeah. they've gone, no, it's okay, mate. Um, you know, the game sounds interesting. You can keep the money. And again, I just think there's a mindset when people feel like they're getting something for a good price yeah. and you're not ripping them off um, that you know, you just kind of you give the uh, an element of positivity back into things that um, just helps lift everybody. Really.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just to to go back, I know quite early on you mentioned some of the some of the games you played uh, that, that that potentially influenced her story. Uh, in terms of kind of FMV itself, was was that something that really interested you during that kind of early '90s boom, the Night Trap and what have you? Is is that that something that you you were kind of subscribed to at the time?
3: Not, not really. I mean, I never had a nice enough computer or a fancy enough CD-ROM drive to, yeah. to kind of play any of those. But, I mean, I didn't even think of this game as an FMV game, really, yeah. until I showed it to people and they went, oh, you've made an FMV game. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess I have. Um, but actually, since then, I've, I've gone back and kind of looked at some of those games so that if people ask me questions about them, it have something interesting to say. But I think it's a really interesting period of time because... You look at the, I mean, there are tons of these games put out. There's this big boom of, you know, those F games. And if you look at them, what's interesting about them is they, the genres that are represented there are very non-standard. You know, they, there are lots of detective games. There are, um, there's like lawyer games. There's yeah. erotic thrillers. There's kind of psychological horror stuff.
2: Yeah.
3: And it's all these kind of genres that actually, prior to that and after that, video games haven't done a lot of work in. And I think it was a, it was an interesting combination of the fact that you had real actors suddenly allowed you to do certain things you couldn't before. Yeah. And as well, I think it was the fact that a lot of this work got done by kind of straight to video production, yeah, TV and film production companies out in LA. Yeah. And this was the kind of stuff they make for a kind of cheap uh, B movie audience, whatever they, sure, these yeah. were the genres they worked in. So someone comes and says, let's make a game together. They go, okay, well, is it, it going to be a, a thriller and we'll do like an erotic thing or is it going to be like detective stuff? Yeah. And so that for me was really interesting that, that you, these genres that I think are interesting and that are, are, have slightly more interesting character stuff in them that, that just the appearance of, of the video technology suddenly drew all that stuff into video games. Um, but I think, I mean, it's... And all that interesting experiment kind of just came crashing to a halt because suddenly 3D graphics were there. Mm. And suddenly, you know, this technology which people had only just started playing around with in terms of the video um suddenly, you know, 3D technology was there and that was way more engaging and, and there were much more fancy, clever things you could do with it. Um, and so that, you know, just became this kind of cul-de-sac in the history of video games. Yeah. But I think, you know, there were there were there was FMV games that were just stupid. And I think actually some <laughs> of the ones that that have a lot of the criticism actually kind of had the right idea. So I think things like there was Night Trap, uh yeah. game called Voyeur. I think actually... For me were some of the more interesting games because they acknowledged that you were watching i mean it wasn't directly you're watching video but it was it was accepting that the the mechanic you're doing here is watching they're accepting the fact that what's interesting about this is that you are observing and watching Mm -hmm. and taking this in and they weren't putting a racing game or a shooter game just overlaid over some movie footage they weren't pretending that you know, the video cameras, your eyes, they weren't pretending to have you move through a 3D space or do any of these things. Yeah. Um, and what held them back, partly apart from some of the, the kind of production values, whatever, is they were still clinging to some of the gamey things. So although they were abandoning a lot of traditional game mechanics, there was still, like I say, there was still this challenge. You had to have a health bar, you had to be able to do game over, you know, in, in Night Trap, you had to listen to the for the colour codes or whatever you know. it was like we have to have these gamey things in there which I think is what made them far less enjoyable but now you know in 2015 there's so many things that we call games and there's so many experiences that you can get online digital things and interesting experiments that you know we don't no not every game has to have a health bar or even have a game over screen and stuff so that that for me was if I look at if I look at her story as relating to FMV games even though it didn't necessarily feel like that, that for me is the the interesting jump from those games. is is me kind of going, well, I can abandon a lot of these other things, and I can have this game mechanic which is embraces embraces the video ness of the video, um, and you know, create something that's therefore a bit more accessible and a bit more seamless.
0: Yeah, I think you, obviously you, you touched on Night Trap there. I think the the interesting thing for me there was the first time I played a game where you can miss things. That are going on, you know, the whole idea of of uh, switching between the different rooms, and if you're in the wrong yeah. place, uh, you're not going to get what's going on. that uh, to a certain set of people, that's going to be an incredibly frustrating mechanic. But it was it was a real eye opener to me, and uh, I think that, I've not played it. I really need to because I love point and click adventures. But apparently, The Last Express is similar in, in those respects. I don't know if you yeah, t- I
3: tried to play that a couple of times because I know a lot of people that really rave about that game, mm. and 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 it was it was the initial effort to actually get it running on a PC. Um and you know, get past all get yeah. those kind of issues, but um I think i just i think I never had the time to sit i think it required me to sit down and concentrate and pay attention <laughs> yeah. um and um, the time I was playing it yeah, i didn't didn't have that much of, of an attention span and the ability to do that but yeah i mean that's the, the interesting thing there is that that idea that like you say of being able to not see something or miss something i think is is interesting there's there's a certain type of video game that I think is no longer as fashionable though. Like things like Dark Souls kind of touch on it. Is there's a there's a good article recently by Dan Pinchbeck where he was talking about there are certain areas of Soul Reaver where there's nothing to do and um, and there's no game logic or anything. Um, and you know these were things that were actually intended to be full levels, but because they ran out of time, they just cans those levels but they kept it in the game because it was easier (laughs) and would create less bugs but as a player when you encounter them you don't realize that you just find these spaces that almost seem oblivious to you as a player being there they're not designed around you like you know a lot of modern games the spaces are designed to be playgrounds for you it's like a theme park where everything just flows into each other and you know every view is beautiful and there's always a toilet around the corner or a place to buy a balloon or whatever and you know it's these spaces are purely designed for you, the player's pleasure. So, it, it, you know, it doesn't feel quite right. But things like those bits of Soul Reaver had something to them because the fact that they really didn't care about whether you were there or not. You know, it felt like they were real places. It felt like they were kind of interesting spaces that you know, by virtue of them not being interactive and not being reactive to you, which is kind of an interesting vibe yeah. for me. Um, and I think is is you know part of that is is kind of potentially in her story but it's yeah that's kind of a cool vibe
0: and in, in terms of uh kind of again you mentioned some earlier on but police games or detective games did you play the police quest series at all
3: i tried to at the time because i loved the idea yeah i've always been into police procedurals and stuff and um and i think i'd, I'd always read about the earlier ones and yeah. so I knew they had the reputation for like oh you have to fill in speeding tickets and yeah. do paperwork and that's boring yeah. um, and I think the, the first one I actually tried to play was the and so there's a nice through line here was the the one that was actually digitized yeah, photos and stuff I don't know if it actually had I don't think it actually had FMV in it I think it was slightly ahead of that yeah. but I think everything was essentially a digitized photo um, so it was really ugly because you know the resolution back then was like i don't know what 320 by 200 or something (laughs) so there's no point digitizing a photo to that lower resolution you know it's just this grainy jerky mess yeah
2: um
3: but you know i it it appealed to me because the the setting and the atmosphere was not what you'd get in a video game you know it was The modern day and it was adults talking to other adults and you know some of the themes and characters in there were were you know not sophisticated but you know it was it was mature without being kind of you know gore and nudity mature but it was you know that stuff was interesting and I think that was the huge thing that was drawing to me, me to those games and I think I got nowhere with them because I think you know I mean the some of those Sierra games were not they did They weren 't quite as smooth as the LucasArts games. No, they absolutely were very not. unforgiving things to play, yeah. um, so I don't think I got very far with it, but yeah that that stuff appealed to me i mean i'd love I love the Phoenix Wright games, um, yes. yes, in spite of some of their flaws but and I primarily love them because I think they tell they're one of the few video games. That actually tells a story with twists and turns that actually continues to twist and turn. Yeah. Now, people get so excited if they play a video game where there's a single twist, right? Where there's a <laughs> single surprising moment. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, if you go and see a good movie or read a good book, every scene tries to twist something or turn something. Yeah. Um and I think Phoenix Wright for me stands out because those the best ones, the best stories within those games, do have this sense of constantly actually surprising and twisting things um, and and the better ones do a reasonable job of within their entirely scripted linear structure occasionally just through virtue of kind of the the way their interface works um, making you feel like you've kind of uh, thought outside the box and spotted something but maybe in, in playing an entire Phoenix right game you'll have that happen two or three times um, but it's kind of balanced against the kind of Five to ten times where you think you found something and the game ignores you or whatever, it doesn't yeah. let you do it. Yeah. And that was kind of—it wasn't necessarily an explicit part of the design process with her story, but it was kind of in the back of my mind. Was it'd be really, you know, if I can give you some of that sensation without any of the annoying scripting roadblocks, you know, if I if I can allow you to have those little moments where you think you've got something or spotted something and, and you've told the game that's, you know, you've, you've found a way to communicate to the game, I think this is a, a thing I've spotted, and then the game essentially confirms that, then that'll be cool. If I can do it without the thing screwing up as it frequently does with Phoenix Wright. And I think that for me was really appealing about the Googling mechanic, because it was like if you, if you search something and you get nothing back, it doesn't feel like the game has not understood you. Yeah. Because the rules are very clear. It's like, well, okay, she just didn't talk about that. Maybe I used the wrong word or maybe that's red herring and, 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 or it's just not a useful line of inquiry. Yeah. Um, but then there are, there is the ability to think, oh, is this what's going on? What word should I type in? What would she use to talk about that thing? Or what word would it be thing to type in? You type it in and then you see a clip that essentially confirms what you're thinking. You get that aha, Phoenix Wright moment. But, and again, and you've actually communicated to the game, this is what I think is happening, without having to actually do that, But you've you've been able to have this back-and-forth dialogue with the game um, by virtue of this slightly more abstracted system, um, which is really neat. I think there's, I read a good uh, article about the game by um, Mike Bithell, yeah. um, and, and he was saying uh, that to him her story was, he had always been thinking about making detective games and how do you in the same way that like uh, this example was like in a shooting game you give the player auto aim to make them feel like they're really good at shooting yeah even though they might not be and he was sort of wondered, you know what's the equivalent of auto aim for Sherlock Holmes you know how do i make the player feel like Sherlock Holmes and and for him herst the solution in her story was to not to give you this really clever gun but to actually give you a broken gun um, so you know, give you this kind of cruder Tool that, and, and so then by actually kind of using this crude tool to achieve the thing that that was a much better way of doing it rather than giving you this fake clever tool that would probably break quite a lot. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think that's that was that was kind of where I was coming from. Was there's, there's those moments in Phoenix Wright, and there's the density of storytelling and interesting storytelling in Phoenix Wright. If I can find a way to do that, but. Removed from the actual kind of structure that Phoenix Wright is kind of stuck with.
0: Yeah, uh, and obviously, the, again, the nature of the game—you're watching uh, one performer throughout, which means it was really, really key that um, the person playing playing the role uh, delivered for you. Um, and Viva's performance was outstanding, and and has been rightly praised, you know, in a lot of a lot of places. Is it right to say you you had a previous kind of working relationship with her from a from a game that, that didn't come off.
3: Yes. So yeah, after Silent Hill Chat Memories, the team most of the team moved on to another project which um I can't really talk about too much but no, okay. the, the 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 name is out there. So it was a legacy of Kane title um, sure. for Scronics. And we worked well I worked on that for about three years, um, sort of heading it up and I guess the sort of the last year or so we we were doing motion capture and, and so Viva was someone that we cast for that game um, so I'm very grateful to Square Enix for, <laughs> for, for, for paying for us to have a very nice casting session and see lots of different people and get to yeah. meet Viva um, but she was one of the, the kind of highlights of that project for me and, and she had this character that initially started off as kind of a key character but somewhat in the background Right. and kind of every time we'd do a session and, and we'd see what she did with the lines we'd kind of fall more in love with this character and be like, right, let's write more scenes for that mm. character. Let's give that character more meaty stuff to do. Um And that just kept kind of delivering. So kind of one of the tragedies for me when that was canceled was no one's going to get to see this cool performance and see yeah. this cool character. So um then when I was thinking about this project and I kind of knew early on, it's, you know, it's, it's very important who plays this role and they're going to have to a work with me. Um, they're going to have to, Work under pressure, probably, um, and they're going to have to, you know, in these clips, there's going to be a lot of subtext. They're going to have to communicate a lot of things with just their face, their gestures, mm. their voice. Um, so that's really important. And and I, I, you know, my head kept coming back to Viva because I remembered how good she was, and particularly fixated on when we had that that casting session. Um, one of the standout things the casting session was Viva coming in. Um, you know, she came in, and, and you know. it's just in you know, a small room somewhere in Soho, plain room. Uh, we've got you know th- me and two other people sat behind a desk. We've got a video camera recording it for posterity, like a little monitor on the table. Um, and so she came in and, and she read her two or three lines. And it was so good, really awesome that we just kind of turned to each other and kind of shared this kind of agreement that that was awesome mm. and said, oh, thank you. You can go now, we'll be in touch with you via your agent. And so Viva thought she'd screwed up because the kind of normal process is you, you give them a bit direction, they you do the lines two or three different ways to kind of get a sense of, of how they work. But mm. but we didn't with her, and it was just. And, and in my head was just locked this memory of the the audition tape for Viva, which you know we took back to the office and then showed to the publisher and everything, which was you know it's just Viva in a plain room, not wearing any costumes or any special makeup or anything, just reading the lines to camera, yeah. no physicality really, um, and just how compelling that was and how kind of well that played on screen and on video, that was kind of stuck in my mind. And so, you know, I think when my kind of brain popped this idea of it's an interview room, it's videos, there's this database, it was like, well, okay, that that would work really well with Viva. And so once I kind of had the story laid out, I, was, I reached out to Viva and said, hey, do you want to work together again? Um, I'm doing this cool indie thing. Um, and she was up for it. And then I sent her the script, which at that point had been structured kind of to make it easier for me to read. So it was like 200 pages. And (laughs) that slightly terrified her. So I don't worry, don't worry. Quickly change the font size. Got to do some page breaks, send it back. It's only 80 pages. So at that point, 80 pages sounded good to her. Um, And then then we actually came to shoot it. We had a week, we shot it in a week. And it was like, well, actually, you know, kind of a day in, we were like, oh my gosh, we've we've bitten off a lot here. You know, this Mm -hmm. is intense
0: and it was it was very intense but yeah we managed to pull it off fantastic I, I, I'm aware I've taken up a, a lot of your time so I, I won't I won't come for too much more just if you if you don't mind just a slight tangent um I I noticed a, a recent tweet you put out you mentioned that your your young daughter had referenced Chun-Li yes Um, I've got a six six-year-old boy myself who who kind of caught the gaming bug early on so I was just interested to know you know, do you do you actively encourage her to play games, and are you are you kind of trying to guide her taste a bit, or is is that come naturally for her?
3: Well, I mean, so um, so she's um five, and uh, my son is seven. So my son, we kind of grew up with me playing games with him, and yeah. it was an, an entirely Nintendo diet. Um, <laughs> so it was you know it was Mario and Zelda and you know anything in between. Yeah, and. You know early on he would just run Mary around in the water splashing and, and doing dumb stuff, and it was very frustrating for me, but you know I stuck with it yeah. and and then we played um, through Earthbound a couple oh, of wow. years ago, okay. and that was essentially responsible for him learning numbers and learning how to read because I, and he didn't he didn't see it at all. You know, it's so just completely oblivious to the fact that he was learning anything. Because yeah. we'd you know, we'd go into a fight and I'd be like, How many health points have you got, son? And he'd be like, Oh, I've got nine hundred and seventy eight. <laughs> how many XP points? Oh, how many XP points do you need to get to the next level? You know, and it just yeah. and he just didn't notice or care. And so he got very good at reading big numbers <laughs> through playing Earthbound. But um I think my my daughter was less into it and partly because like when he was growing up it was just him. So yeah. I could sit down and give him quality time and play games with him. But sure. as she grew up, he would be playing a game that was beyond her or whatever, and, you know. And you, that whole second child thing where you just spend less less one on one time with him, whatever. Yeah. Um, but actually, in the last year or so, she's really got interested in games and what her brother's playing. So you know, she has her Animal Crossing character now, um, and and she's bought every single outfit you can buy and and every time I give her a huge sum of money to help her buy the next step up in her house, and I'll come back the next day, and she'll be like, oh, I bought another hundred hats, or whatever, and I'll <laughs> like, oh, stop conforming to stereotypes. Um, but, I mean, she's got really into Zelda, and it's very funny actually, because she'll sit and play like Zelda, and just run around throwing pigs into the water, and you know stuff like that and he, my son gets super frustrated he's like you're supposed to be going to the dungeon to save yeah. people and she's like oh, no, no, i was having fun and i'm like dude chill out i had to sit through this with you you know <laughs> i was the one sat there whilst you were refusing to finish the Mario level. you know yeah. you've yeah. got to kind of get on board with it but um no but i recently let him play uh street fighter because he he'd seen the the trailer for smash brothers with um ryu in it
0: oh yeah yeah
3: and so I was like, oh yeah, that's a game that me and my, you know, I used to play when I was younger and explained a bit about it to him. So he then wanted to go and play it. So, um, so I then felt slightly bad because I've always been very smug in play, in the playground, knowing that my son plays these good Nintendo games that are clever and educational and teaching him wonder and joy.
2: Yeah.
3: And then the other kids are there playing Grand Theft Auto and Skyrim or whatever. And <laughs> bad parents, they don't understand. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then, when we downloaded Street Fighter, it was like, "This is a twelve certificate game." And then there's the <laughs> bloody faces when in the credit, you know, in the, the credit screen. I felt slightly bad, yeah. but but then again, my, my daughter completely bought into it, and she just loved Chun Li. Yeah. Um, I actually slightly doctored the tweet because she does actually call her Chun Lin. They, they they both <laughs> slightly misread her name, so she's Chun Lin. Yeah. But yeah, she came over from school and she had all these pictures in a bag, and it was just this frozen one. And she was saying to her mum, she was going, "Oh, I've done Chun Lin. I've done Chun Lin." <laughs> and and she was tr- and, like my wife was trying to understand what she was saying. She was like, Yeah, Chungaling? What's a what's a Chingling? What's And I realised, I was like, Oh no, she's saying Chunley and looked and she'd done tried to colour it in so she had the Chunley's costume and just saying, Dad, she doesn't quite have the same blue earrings because I couldn't find the the oh. pen or whatever. But yeah, I was very impressed.
0: Oh super Yeah, I have I have that same kind of mild guilt with, with my boy he um like, early on Mario Kart was the one for him, the Wii, the Wii version, I think. I think a lot of that was just kind of the progression through unlocking new vehicles and uh, and tracks and things. And he, I don't know, he was obsessed with trying to unlock things. And uh, and then he progressed to the plant, the original Plants vs Zombies kind of strategy okay, game. Okay, yeah. Uh, but then, of course, they brought out a third person shooter, Garden oh, Warfare. Yeah. Okay. And he was desperate to have it, and I was like, much the same as you. It's like, yeah, it's probably a bit violent. More violent than the kind of games I was envisioning playing at this point. But, um, you know, I, I eventually caved in and got it for him. And, you know, God, the amount of time he has spent, again, unlocking every single potential character on there. He absolutely loves it. But, yeah, I don't feel particularly brilliant about having got him into what is see, essentially a, a Skins Battlefield just game. Needs to get so, a
3: Splatoon. Uh, yeah, we've then, just got it.
0: Yeah, again. And,
3: again, it's hilarious because both the kids play Splatoon. And, and you see just how wonderful the design is because, yeah. you know, my son's playing it fairly competitively. And um, and my daughter just enjoys spraying the paint everywhere, yeah. and you know we'll yeah. be stood in some corner of the map just spraying the floor, and you know the son will be there going, "You're supposed to be going over there, and, and look, there's some purple you need to spray." And she's going, "I'm oh, just having fun," and she loves the the thing where the squid jumps through the air to get to where your teammates are, but she'll just do it again and again and again because she just loves seeing the squid jump through the air. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then again, she's spent all her money. On, she's got every costume that you can buy in the shops, and she does a thing where she won't turn the console off until her Inkling has gone to bed. So she goes and changes her Inkling into her night clothes, and then she's found there's like a, a, a drinks dispenser that she can climb up one of the gantries and jump down onto, and she says that's her bed. And so she has to do that, which is cool because I used to, I used to do, I always used to have to take um, Link back to his house in Zelda in my mind, yeah. and I remember um, playing. Um, playing system shock, I always used to have to get to one of the they're not Vita chambers, that's Bioshock, but whatever they called the regeneration chambers. Yeah. Yeah. If I wanted to save my game, I'd always feel like I had to save it near there. It just kind of felt like a safe place to save. <laughs> I guess I was very bought into that world being kind of real and existing. And so it always felt like I had to, to go and, you know, find this safe place to essentially, you know, go to sleep in rather you know it felt like I was going to sleep rather than saving the game. Yeah. So she's definitely inherited that. <laughs>
0: In. Okay, I, I swear I'm not stalking your Twitter feed, but I just wanted to speak about another, one more tweet before before you go, if that's all right. Um, you a couple of days ago, you put one out saying that you you had sketched out an idea for a follow up, uh, uh-huh. an ambitious follow up to, to uh-huh. her story. I, I just wanted to—is that a follow up in the sense that it's it's the game you might work on next, or are we talking about you know? And I apologize profusely in advance for using such, quite such a wanky phrase. Are, are you talking about something in the her story universe
3: there? Uh, it, it, no, it would it would be. Um... It would, it would be something like. It would be something that people who played and enjoyed Her Story would like, and it might have some kind of shared touchstones. But it yeah. would be an entirely fresh experience. Um, yeah, and I think I kind of before I released Her Story, in, in not even knowing if I would roll onto something else, it was like, you know, what would I do next if I did do something next? And yeah. I kind of had some very vague ideas, but I think actually having now seen the reception to her story and the particular things people liked about it, it kind of feels slightly emboldened to me to think, well, okay, if these are the things that are interesting to people, I can go and do more things like this. And, and, you know, maybe yeah, it is slightly more ambitious and uh, costly, whatever, but I can, you know, I can build on these things and, and not necessarily... You know, there's always the there's, there's that weird, weird progression with kind of people that make interesting experimental games. We then they then say, well, now our next game will be a bit more game-like. <laughs> all, that worked that experiment. And now we'll just kind of make it slightly more mainstream and yeah. whatever. And but no, it feels like and yeah. And I was thinking that I'd basically wait, you know, wait for the dust to settle, wait for a few months to just let myself have that next idea and you know not worry about it too much, but just wait until that perfect idea popped up. Yeah. Um, but actually, then yeah, I was sat on the bus uh, going to the airport, and I was like, oh, okay. And a few things popped in my head, and I was like, oh, okay, that's actually quite interesting. Um, so yeah, I, just, I had to tweet that.
0: So, so with that, will you let yourself have a rest still, or is that your is that your head kind of whirring now? Are you, are you keen to get onto? Oh it? no,
3: I'm, I'm like, okay, that sounds cool. Let's just park that for now. Let's, <laughs> yeah. let's put that. Over, let's, yeah. put a, let's put that in a Google Doc, marked the next <laughs> big idea. <laughs> and so i don't forget it and then yeah let's still just get this finished and uh you know have a little bit of a break Brilliant. and do do a few other little bits and pieces but yeah yeah
0: well this has been superb i really appreciate your time and uh when the next big idea does does uh, come to fruition i hope uh, you'd be up for, for talking to me again about oh, it uh thanks ever so much Sam.
3: cool it's been fun <laughs>
0: Barlow there. Uh, an absolute pleasure to talk to him. Uh, thanks so much once again to him for, for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, okay, as we said before, uh, this is your fi- time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is your final warning. Um, if if uh, if you want to play this game, go and play it, and then come back and listen to this. Hopefully, um, yeah, we're going to talk spoilers. Yeah, so say
1: com- comments as well afterwards, or tweet us or whatever afterwards. If you've got any other differing thoughts from us, I'm sure we'll kind of mention this later. Yeah, um, absolutely. But I think this is the beauty of this game, and um, it's it's kind of diff- the different thought processes and the different kind of av- different sorry avenues people go down and conclusions they come to, and I think it's also uh, very dependent on uh, your kind of outlook maybe and the way you think about things, yeah. Maybe in sort of maybe in a weird way, how dark your mind is.
0: <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, you mentioned before there were particular things you wanted to talk about. Go for it. Bit. Um, <laughs>
1: yeah. okay, well the the thing I mentioned in the first part, which uh my wife and I uh kind of to and fro between were were there twins or was it a split personality disorder? Yeah. And that thing we flew back and forth on. You'll hear it yeah. in the recordings we did yeah. for YouTube in the videos. Uh we flew back and forth on for days and you sit there and go, No, no, she's definitely split personality. Definitely, yeah. definitely split personality. And then we're then, but maybe they're twins. Yeah. And you know, quite early on, I think probably in the third or fourth episode, I say I can't remember. Um, we figured out that when her hair was down, she was uh E uh Eve, and then when her hair was up, she was um Hannah, or the other way around. I can't remember which way around it was. Yeah. Um, that was something we figured out quite early on. You could see the difference between the clips, and and things like that, and, and just discovering that it felt brilliant, and yeah. you just felt you were going, okay, fine. And then I think that's when we, we kind of married those two together. We sat there and went, okay, fine. No, there definitely are a schizo- you know, schizophrenic-y kind of mm. mental mental split personality disorder with this girl.
0: Yeah, I think that, that is the ultimate conclusion I came to. But I have seen very convincing arguments both ways. Um, oh, man, don't do that to me.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, I, 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 I'm still on the split personality
1: uh, yeah, side of the, the fence. that's what th- we I got think. to at the end as well. Uh, gonna, I will admit, when we got to the end... We sat there and thought. Well, we thought this. So we looked up a few things on the internet, yeah. and someone had done like a full rundown of what had happened and why she had the split personalities and what had happened. Blah, blah blah blah. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's you know, we had come to that conclusion, but probably not rounded it out so nice and took a whole kind of life story of things of yeah. you know when she went up to Glasgow, you know why she did that, and it yeah. it's quite obvious that that one of them, it, it, you know, knocked him off, killed him, mm. and then the other one had. Um, gone right. I'll go to Glasgow and leave her there to deal with that sort of thing. It was it was just fascinating to to have that whole kind of split personality thing to consider, really, yeah. And to work out um why some things had kicked her off, like the whole mirror thing, which we f- we know we found out near the end, and that was the bit when we were sitting there going, oh, oh, it's a confession, it's a confession, <laughs> sort of thing. Oh, uh, it was it was really really good, and, yeah. Oh man, loved it.
0: Yeah, I think I think f- like from memory, my place play through was it was really interesting you obviously the information you have at the start of the game is that she is the wife uh, well you don't even have that
2: you know the first few
0: clips are just that she she is a woman and you soon realize she's related to the guy find out they're married um and then yeah there's a certain clip or two and you oh she had a twin sister at some point uh certainly the the order i the order i had them in sorry um you know, oh she had a twin twin sister, uh that's interesting. And then a couple of clips where you just go hold on a minute. Mm. <laughs> this is clearly uh clearly more more than meets the eye here. Um, yeah. I th- I think from memory, um because I played it I think the night it came out and I just sat and played it all night <laughs> until until I'd unlocked everything. Um it, it, I think I came away actually thinking I think I was a hundred percent sure it was split personality and it was only in reflection and watching some more clips the day after, you know, re-watching clips the day after, thinking, mm. oh, I suppose, actually, you know, it could actually be different. And then, of course, I've also read, which I didn't even consider at the time, there is a third option, which is is very unlikely. But, you know, she's Kaiser Sozing the, the shit out of it and just making it all up as she goes along. Uh, and she's just one person and she's making all this stuff up to, to get away with it, um, making it all up on the spot. But I, I don't think I don't think that's necessarily the no. case. No,
1: I mean, there's some, there's some really interesting clips where... Kind of at the start of the interviews, I think there was interviews from as was as early as like the fifteenth of June, maybe, and then they ranged right up to kind of the seventh of July. So it's kind of a good, what kind of twenty, twenty two, twenty three days like kind of period. But I think that's right. I could be wrong, so don't quote me on that one. (laughs) But um, you could see in the early clips she was very nervous, very straight to the point. Yeah. Um. But then the further ones, you could see she was trying to fabricate things a lot more. And there was a really interesting clip, which I imagine you saw, thought the same as um, when she goes to vomit, she's got her hair down. When yeah. she goes to vomit, she comes back and she's got her hair back up. I had not noticed that. I that was a not re- re- really interesting bit. I don't think we yeah. mentioned it in the videos. We talked about it afterwards. And we are like, oh, wow. And there was another bit, which I just thought of and I've now just forgotten. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, there's another one, which I'm sure you saw, which was when she said, um, oh, stupid Hannah, stupid Hannah, why have you told them that? Yeah, or something on those yeah. lines, and that was that bit kind of linked in. And then there was the whole thing with the song. Yeah, yeah. And we were sat there going creepy as hell. What?
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Oh dear.
0: The uh, the thing that that um, didn't occur to me at the time. I don't think I caught the hair thing until very late, if not afterwards actually. But obviously, on some, she's showing a tattoo. Um, yes, and. There's a clip, I don't know whether you would have seen or not, but um, she spills her drink and it goes all over her shirt. And uh, I think I had thought all along she was Hannah, but she spills her drink and takes her shirt off. uh, And it transpires that's because what I wasn't paying huge attention to was the time codes, which I I think from watching your videos, you were really meticulous with that stuff. We, the
1: time, we, well, we sort of, when we thought clips went in order. We we kind of kept note of it, but we didn't kind of think, okay, that one was at twelve o four and thirteen seconds, and it's ten mm-hmm. seconds long, so we need to find the one that's at twelve o four and twenty three or twenty four seconds. We didn't do that yeah. so much. We looked at dates and things and tried to keep the dates um, and trying to work out what had happened where. Yeah. Um. But we we didn't. Follow. I didn't see the one with the spilled drink in the shirt, but we noticed she got the tattoo, and it was of an apple and a snake. Am I right thinking that? Yeah, it's, it's the Eve thing, isn't it? It is not it was yeah, a whole yeah. Adam and Eve thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, I think the the thing for me in that was I just hadn't put two and two together that this was the same session as later on where she's got the shirt that was underneath on oh, short sleeve shirt and showing the tattoo, mm. and uh, I think in my head I you know she was one and then obviously in the, within the same session she's other or she's you know switching between mm. and yeah 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 but the thing I was talking about before that that was a real revelation for me it was a real kind of oh, holy shit moment <laughs> um, that. Again, I don't know whether you've seen the clips or whether this would have the same effect if you don't see them so close together. But within the space of three clips, um, there were two separate clips from two separate interviews where she says exact. She has exactly the same response to a question, verbatim. Yes,
1: yes. Apart yes, from one yes.
0: slight, one slight change. You, I
1: mean, it, I think they were. I can't remember because this was in our, I think, the fifth or sixth episode. It was quite near the end, anyway. Yeah, we saw this bit, and I can't remember. Sh- no, she was just two different uh, people as well. She was yeah. Eva. Sorry, Eve. I keep saying Eva, sorry. <sighs> Eve and Hannah. And she said the exact same response yeah, in both the clips.
0: Yeah, that she just changes one word slightly. I think she says parents-in-law or uh, and then calls them by name in the other clip. But other than that, it's like a 30-second yeah, yeah. monologue it's that exactly... she has clearly rehearsed. Yeah. And I think this came quite early on for me, and they both, like I say, came within three or four clips of each other. Oh, wow. And I think it was my first inkling of actually, you know, perhaps she's playing them here, and it was just like a kind of banging the fist on the table, sort of going, yes, this game is fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah.
1: just, just, we we sat there, I think we watched them, we may well have watched them back to back. Yeah. Because I think we searched for a keyword that was obviously in both of those clips. Yeah, yeah. And I think we, we may have watched them back to back, or at least, you know, one or one or two in between. It was a very, very short time period, and we kind of went, Hang on, I think we went back and forth going oh, that's ex- exactly the same, yeah, yeah, and stuff. Oh wow, incredible stuff, yeah.
0: And uh, it's worth worth mentioning. I think we talk about it in in the interview, but obviously, um, uh, Viva Cipher. I think you pronounce her surname. I'm not. I'm not sure, but she, her performance is is really oh, really interesting and, flawless, and impressive. It's, it's, yeah,
1: it's amazing. I, mean, I always have a huge amount of kind of respect for people who can play kind of um, like you know mentally, you know. Uh, disabled people, yeah. or things like that. So, one, one for example, if, if, did you ever watch ER back in the day?
0: Uh, I did, yeah. I've not um, seen all of them, but
1: Sally Field in that, who played, oh, yeah, uh, of
0: course, yeah.
1: Thing, she, was... Thingies, she was amazing because she had bipolar. Yes, I remember yes, watching that. Right. I was going, This is one of the best performances I've ever yeah. seen. She's so good. Yeah, and that, you know, that's kind of reminded me of that a little bit in the way that someone can act that well to get get inside that kind of that mindset of of how that person's going to being you know that back and forth and stuff
0: yeah there's, oh, a, there's a similar thing i had with um i don't know if you've seen the bridge it's like a danish uh police program like um
1: mm-hmm. crime no, I program. I have.
0: um it's about basically a body is found exactly half it sounds really convoluted but it, a body is found exactly halfway between um, like a bridge which is on the border between two Scandinavian countries—I forget whether it's nor uh, whether it's Denmark and Sweden—but um, essentially, a cop from each side have to team up on it because the All body's right. right on the border and severed in half deliberately to to oh. kind of bring that about. And the the main female character in it, I just thought she was the, for the first thirty minutes, forty minutes of of the first episode, I just thought she might be the worst actress I've ever seen, and it slowly dawned on me: hold on a minute. Uh, this character is autistic and she's really overacting in it seemed like she was overacting in places but actually no it's just like in once you actually go back and watch it properly just a really immensely um, amazing but but kind of um actually subtle when you analyze it kind of um portrayal of 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 somebody with with that disorder it's um yeah incredible stuff but yeah the the performance in this game is is amazing and mm. i mean she's carrying the whole thing herself as as we've said you know the game is purely you're looking at hours worth of clips with with just this woman talking to a camera essentially um and to keep that compelling for for that long is is no mean feat really yeah yeah um
1: very very good very good
0: oh i know what i was going to ask you about did you get any of the clips where she's tapping out a message on the table
1: Yes, we had the tapping bits, yeah. and we weren't really sure what it was about. The tapping was... She did it later on, yeah. but I think she had her head down on the table and she was just tapping on it. Yeah. And we never really figured out what that was related to. We'd searched. I think we did a search term, tapping, and not a huge amount came up.
0: Oh, well, this, um, is, this is where I get to feel really superior then.
1: Because... Or on smug mode, off you yeah. go.
0: <laughs> no, I did this, exactly the same thing and uh, was lucky in that I think I just put tapping code or tap code or something Mm. and it's literally called a tap code um or something and wikipedia threw up i think it's called two two or three different things but tap code is one of the things for it
1: was it in like morse code or anything
0: it's it's not morse but it's like um it's a grid of letters and she taps basically um each letter is represented by two numbers um between one and five Mm-hmm. so for instance if she i don't know if the mic will pick this up but if she goes that's two two mm-hmm. if there's a slight pause be- between the two yeah, g- yeah. uh, and that is the you know you check the grid reference for for that so yeah this is another part well like i was saying before any game where i've got to get pen and paper out this just kind of this to the match. this
1: is awesome this is proper investigating yeah,
0: exactly i was like <laughs> oh man this is amazing and just like transcribing those and um yeah I think um one of them says bye Hannah um as in goodbye Hannah and um, one says love you I think uh, and it, yeah I think I forget the exact clips they come up in but again
1: it was just that, this I think that must have been near the bit when she talks about the uh, the like the, the murder happening and and the whole mirror incident
0: yeah I think I think it's actually there's two separate clips definitely with it in yeah, and I think one of the ones you mentioned earlier on, where she kind of goes, "Oh, oh why did you talk about the header or evil?" Yeah, or that was it. it was and I think silly where she puts her story. head down, I think that's where she taps one of them out. Um, so yeah, it just adds this extra dimension to oh, it, you know. That's my um, right. Yeah, that's it. amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> There's just so much going on with this game, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just uh, another layer that just just kind of took it to another level for me. I think really
1: brilliant. Uh, something else I was going to mention with the whole mirror thing at the end. and because if you're watching the episodes, the whole lot, the last two episodes happened so fast for us. Hmm. Because we, you know, you, as you do with it, you, you what well, we did, if you watch the videos, we we um, watched the vids, watched the clips, discussed it, worked out where we we're going to go next. Sometimes, you know, one of us had a different idea, and we'll go, okay, we'll search for this, then we'll search for that, blah, blah blah. But we we kept finding key clip after key clip and things and stuff we felt were really important, and so we just bounded through it and kind of stumbled pretty quickly into this whole the whole mirror thing, which is kind of the crux of why everything happened, really.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and so it it turns out he's uh, the the husband who is called Simon, I think. Yes. Um, he gave he gives a mirror to one of them for her birthday. Yeah. It's her birthday, and she that's the bit that was the same. I've just remembered. It's when she talks about her birthday and what happened on her birthday. Uh, okay. She said. Um, oh yeah, I got up, went to work. The kids gave me presents because she's a like a dinner lady, lunchtime superintendent at a, a primary school. Yeah. And then she came home. She had a shower. Sam wasn't there. Um, blah 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 blah. Yeah. Not Sam, sorry. Simon. Simon, yeah. sorry, Sam. Don't need to <laughs> say you're <laughs> put into this at all. Um, yeah, and so to the, the talk about the mirror part and and how the husband Simon had bought two mirrors and and you know t- 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 I, we did, one of the sort of explanations we read was. Um, to try and get the um, the other person, the Hannah, sorry, the e- the Eve side, to come out a bit and say, you know, it's okay that you've got a split personality. Mm. I accept you both, kind of thing.
0: Oh, okay, um, interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which we thought was really, really fascinating. And the deeper you look into it, and deeper you think about what had happened when, you know, she said that I think it was Hannah had fan- or that Eve had fancied him, but she was always the shy one. Then Hannah slept with him and uh he got Hannah pregnant but Eve wasn't pregnant and stuff and
2: yeah, yeah.
1: that's where we get back to and throne with the twins really but it was yeah. oh, it was f- fantastic to kind of find that coming to a to a boil to a to a crescendo at the end of it and it did as i said kind of in, in the pre spoiler and and now in this it did kind of happen very uh suddenly the end of it for us and we had the little kind of the, the end game kind of option yeah and we actually opened it and go, well, you can't type into it, don't see the point. But you could, you could only type yes or no into oh, it. I see, see. Right, so yeah. we sat there, I think it was at the end of the, the last episode, which is half an hour long. We <laughs> opened it up and go, well, you can't type into it, don't see the point in that. Closed it and carried on, which is just as well, really, because we might have ruined it a little bit for yeah. ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's,
0: that's cool. Yeah, you, you, what you were saying there reminds me as well, there's a lot of talk of um, the attic, and, you know, mm. dispe- depending on what, Side, you come down on, you know, is it a literal she hid up in the attic so that no one knew about it, or is this her, you know, hidden away in her mind and all those kind of parallels?
1: Yeah, and she something we didn't find out too much about. I don't know, I imagine you'll be able to tell me if there's more in the clips because we didn't obviously exhaust all the clips out Mm. like you did. Um, We really wanted to know more about her childhood because she said, like, the witch is dead, who we pretty sure was her, uh, her, like, her foster mum. There's a mum, I think died when she was eight, but you kept hearing conflicting stories, but then she said one of them went to live with um well, the midwife who I think was the stepmom, and then the other one stayed or something, and we were we got so confused around that
0: oh yeah i can't I can't quite remember that I remember being really chilled when she said, God I'm, my memory is terrible
1: pushed her down the stairs or something or one that, one
0: that's times. that's uh the one who Eve said you know Eve says she lived across the road from Hannah. yeah um, yeah. And at least to wave mid- each
1: other through the windows. That's what we were like. Well, they've got to be twins, then, shortly.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Exactly. It was. It's supposedly the midwife who delivered her. Mm. Um, kind of took her. Um, but yeah, I think I took that as she was, um, you know, obviously a stillbirth or or, or a miscarriage.
2: Mm. Um,
0: but yeah, if you're taking it literally, then yeah, she she was being hidden over the street until she pushed the midwife down the stairs and kind of. Mm. Went uh,
1: in like the age of eight or something. We were just, we were yeah. just unfounded by it. Well, there's, Some, there's,
0: there's also she talks about. Is it her parents die in the middle of the night from poisoning, or is it? Um, I, I
1: don't think we found that, We might have oh, found that. I can't remember. Uh, oh, I'm, is, I'm getting chills <laughs> listening to this. We're yeah. just chatting for a podcast.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's hard, to, hard to watch. I don't, and this is terrible that I can't remember exactly oh. who it is she's talking <laughs> about. Whether it's, I'm sure it's. Oh god, this is really horrible. So, to listen do you know
1: what's to? interesting? People who have gone, no, I won't bother buying a game. we to these two guys chat about it. From an outside point of view, this still sounds really interesting. Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: absolutely. And hopefully, people go, "I want to find out for myself because well, this, this is it. This all this game. There's no." real kind of this is exactly what's happened we're sitting having this discussion i've had discussions with other people i'm sure you've had the same after discussions many discussions with my wife going well are you sure that happened do we really think yeah. that happened yeah and that's the beauty of it that's why it's so clever and so well done
0: yeah yeah it's uh it's it's re- there are really chilling bits and the bit where she finally says you know Oh, down in the basement, and basically his body's in a bin bag down there oh, behind oh, a bunch of stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. That was that
1: was just it just was just really... like watching an episode of CSI. Like <laughs> yeah,
0: it's just really matter-of-factly after all this yeah. kind of preamble, it's yeah, it's uh, as I was saying before. You know, it's not a, it's not a scary game, but no. there are definitely uncomfortable moments. And uh... mm.
1: it's it's just obviously from another kind of point of view. It's showing that kind of interesting side of um. You know, police work and things and yeah. and stuff, and you have to deal with these gruesome details and things mm. and figure things out. And um, got sort of on that kind of end game note. Um, interesting. When we found one of the last clips, I think it might have been the murder clip or something. A lot just after that, we typed in her story into the search bar. Oh, okay. And that came up with I think one of the final clips, oh, which is really interesting. Yeah. Because that's you know the name of the game and whatever. Sure. I don't know if that was a deliberate thing. Yeah, probably Sam. Probably, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Um, Be interesting because I haven't actually heard uh, the interview with Sam yet. I'm looking forward to hearing it on the final edit uh, when it goes out to the masses, and um, it'll be interesting to see to hear how much he lets go. And how much he 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 tells us. I uh, know so in interviews before he's kind of said, well, it could be. It yeah, might be. Yeah.
0: I, I, yeah. From doing my research before it, I knew he he is keen for people to make their, their come to their own conclusions. So to be honest, I didn't push him a huge amount. I asked him about some specifics, but but kind of gave him the the, the option little, to not say. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, you know, he says what he wants to and doesn't want to, but um, but no, yeah. uh, he. Uh, he was really for- forthcoming in, in certain areas. Just, I mean, I was just interested in the kind of the logistics of putting a game like this together. You know, of mm. um, where where you've got to make sure it's balanced, right? You know, if someone puts in a word in the first five minutes, you don't want the key Stabbed clips him. to yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't want the key then clips again, to be showing up. It
1: just... must have been, you know, uh, there must be a, a keyword that would bring up that clip when she talks about um, him being slashed with the mirror across the throat. Yeah. Imagine if you type in throat, that comes up in pretty much the first thing, doesn't it? Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. But then, again, why would you do that? I mean, it's it's
1: probably quite a clever way. Something we haven't actually mentioned yet is when you search for a search term, it could come up with, say, 10 videos, but you only get to see, in inverted commas, the first five from the search group or the search results, which I think they're very carefully tailored to be five that only – they want you to see to start it's, with.
0: It's the first five chronologically, I think. Is it? So, yeah, oh, okay. I, I think I might be completely wrong, but I think it's the that first would, five. That
1: would make sense.
0: In, in which case, obviously, you're getting to the meteor stuff in the later interviews, so that that works. And I'm yeah, I'm pretty you know, sure
1: that, the, the whole murder talk is in the, the one of the final interviews, like one yeah, of the interviews.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and of course, that is a is a bit of a leap. You know, I suppose that you know you can only see the first five. That's that's the kind of one unrealistic thing that's
1: in there Mm. I think that's quite clever because as as we kind of just highlighted it it pushes you to search more it doesn't give you the answer in the first five minutes because this you know on a real database you could find out everything you want to know in an hour exactly because I I... think there's about an hour and ten minutes of clips or something if you put them all back to back we did kind of look for them on YouTube but then decided not to watch them I did not really want to, but maybe we will now, I don't know.
0: Yeah, um, I, I do plan to go back through and, and watch them at some point. Um, just, like I say, from the odd clip, I did go back and watch after kind of deciding what had happened.
1: Maybe we should uh, do a video of us watching it on YouTube together. That would be and just like a, a reaction video of like, oh!
0: Yeah. <laughs> that would be really maybe, good. Maybe down the line we'll do. That. Yeah, yeah, but... Um... Um, we, I mean, we mentioned it before, and obviously, if you've if you've listened by now, you've probably played it or or aren't going to. But we mentioned it was cheap to start with, and I'm talking really cheap. I think it's five pounds when I bought it. There was a ten percent or fifteen percent discount. I think it was like three pounds eighty or something. Yeah. I'm
1: and just yes, it's, up my Steam, so
0: I can have a look. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a short game, but it's it's insanely good value for money.
1: Mm, it is. I mean, it's it's as we've mentioned about a thousand times. It's so well made. And so well thought through and uh, perfectly balanced, and it's really, really interesting to play and really fascinating to to go through. And if if you're into that kind of genre of of these kind of um, kind of investigation shows and things, it's four nine nine at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. These investigation shows and things like that, it's it's absolutely fascinating to play and to understand and to work out and things. And it's. It's it's you know, as as I've proved with um my recordings and my videos of it on YouTube. You know, it's it's something you can sit down with your partner or or with with a friend or something and, yeah. and go through and, and really talk about it and try and work out how you can solve that and how you can kind of how you can work that through.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I kind of like I said, I was eagerly um not racing through it, but but eagerly played it the night it came out because i I've been I'd seen the trailer uh, a couple of months before it came out and awesome. was really intrigued by it and then realised a week before it came out that it was on its way and um, yeah I just couldn't wait to to get through it but I do wish I'd done the same thing as you and actually got my wife involved I mean she plays some games anyway so it's not like I need a game to get her into games
1: it'd be uh, interesting to see it, sort of you played through it together but you took that back seat. Because yeah. you might, it's like when you watch a film for a second time or a TV show for a second time, you see different things. You yeah. notice different parts and go, oh, I didn't realise that was there or well, that had happened.
0: Yeah, I fully then... intend on, on playing with it because at some point, I think maybe once I've forgotten a bit more about it, I mean, I don't, <laughs> um, you know, I'm still going to know the, the over the general overview. but um, she's just, just,
1: She can't listen to the podcast. No,
0: no, exactly. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> but, but um, you know... She she likes certain types of games anyway, but all, she's also morbidly fascinated with these kind of murder investigations anyway, and, and like police interviews and things. She actually is really interested in this type of stuff anyway. So Perfect. I would be really interested to see see what she thinks of it. So yeah, so yeah, I will it? definitely play it with her at some point. But Fantastic. but you know, just from watching your first couple of videos, it was it was fascinating not only just to see someone else's playthrough, but as you say, having two people talking ideas back and forth, and
1: mm. it was you know. it was very interesting and and things and we kind of stumbled on things at the same time or maybe yeah. like, um my wife would find something out and i'd go oh okay or i'd just kind of mention something and we kind of go oh yeah that's a good idea sort of thing yeah. it was really good really really good
0: good stuff we should mention your youtube channel so people can check out the videos uh, uh yes
1: um mr tom oxo too and also um i mentioned him a lot on twitter tweeted about it a lot on twitter and which is uh captain tom ox on twitter and i've got the seven videos in total the the um the the final one the finale uh, went live today when the, we're recording on the first of August um, and they're all in a playlist so that you know you can sit back and and watch and come see if you come to the same conclusions as we did um, but yeah so they're out there for people to watch and be I'll be very uh, grateful and touched if you did
0: superb so in short then uh, her story amazing game just just mm-hmm. go and play it if if you haven't done so already um, yeah fantastic so last order of business um so for the next episode tom uh we've already spoken about oh, yes. what we're going to play
1: completely uh, forgot this bit yeah right.
0: <laughs> but uh do you want to talk th- talk about what you've picked for me briefly
1: uh yes um uh, splinter cell uh splinter cell conviction i believe yes um i was quite surprised to see this in your game this because it's a game that i only really found out uh, about through friends um it's uh, you know, one of these kind of uh, stealth, action-y kind of special forces kind of games, as I'm sure a lot of uh, people are, and yourself are familiar with, yeah. kind of the Tom Clancy kind of model of things. Mm. Um, and I played it a long time ago, um, as I said, with some friends uh, when I went to kind of visit them for the weekend, and we kind of sat down of an evening and said, oh, you know, you've got to try this game, it's awesome. And I was appalling at it and kind of got banned for an hour, so I just sort of sat there and watched. <laughs> um, because stealth was not my forte, yeah. but it is really, really interesting. It kind of reminded me, which we'll probably talk about next time a bit more. Um, but I won't tell you what it reminded me of. I'll okay. let you. I'll see. We'll see if we'll uh, stumble across it. But it's it's really, really interesting game. Um, I don't think I ever completed it. I got stuck on one very difficult bit. It'd be interesting to see if you can do that.
2: Oh, okay. Um,
1: but we, we there might be scope um, for us to do some co-op together that um, on Xbox, super, super. Uh, which would be quite fun. If not, you yeah. just to 2D at the, the single-player.
0: Yeah, I mean, just from, from my point of view, I'm a fan of the Splinter Cell series in general. Uh, the first one came out on the original Xbox, I think. Um, uh, and I... Yeah, they're obviously very... The early games are very kind of stealthy, or reward stealth, certainly. And from what I've read about Conviction, uh, I think I was mentioning to you before we started recording, mm. that it made some concessions to kind of the modern gamer, if you like, who, who maybe hasn't got the patience to... to to do it that way so I'll be interested <laughs> to see just how much it goes yeah. that way. But however the, the last Splinter Cell game in the series before Conviction uh, Double Agent I found it really went downhill uh, generally for, for the series so I'm actually interested I, I thought it's time to shake up the formula a little bit. So I'm well hopefully
1: definitely... hopefully it'll be a good one because I, I very much enjoyed it and enjoyed the challenge of it it was my first venture into those so we'll see how yeah. you get on with it.
0: Fantastic, okay and for you I picked Assassin's Creed 2, now I think you've said it's fair to say that you didn't get on with the first game.
1: Um, that's being horrifically polite. <laughs> um yeah. yeah, I played Assassin's Creed when I first got my Xbox three sixty and I thought, you know, everyone's playing it, it looks quite fun. I like the idea of it and stuff, and I played it and it I just found it very repetitive and just kind of the same grind over and over again of doing other, you know, a range of five things essentially. Yeah. Um and uh, since we've discussed this, I've actually kind of spent a good half hour on it or so and done kind of the intro a bit. And I'm actually really, really enjoying it. So we'll oh. talk about that more next time and we'll see how we go on. But I didn't really enjoy the first one. Yeah. So I'm um, I'm intrigued to see what the second one has to offer.
0: Yeah, no, no, I I won't say a great deal here. But yeah, I, I would hope you'll find that it's a bit less repetitive than the first game. It's still <laughs> restrictive in certain, in certain ways, but. No, I thought it's a great improvement on the first game, but we'll, we'll, as you say, we'll talk more about it in the next episode. Fantastic. Um, so I guess that that just leaves to uh, to say thanks ever so much for listening. Uh, if you fancy giving us some feedback, uh, just give us uh, give us a shout on Twitter. Uh, we're on Catch Up Pod mm-hmm. uh, at Catch Up Pod. Sorry, um, and if you wouldn't mind, if you've enjoyed the show, uh, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a review or a rating on iTunes, that always helps. Um, uh, we're looking to get the episodes out more regularly now. We've you know, we've written nine episodes after after quite a long time span, but we're we're starting to hit our stride now, the two Toms. So Yeah, fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh we'll be back uh soon enough talking about Splinter Cell and uh, and Assassin's Creed, but for now uh, we'll say goodbye. See you Tom.
1: Thanks a lot, cheers.
0: Cheers, bye bye.